Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Football's right around the corner and get in on the action with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. And with the NFL returning, DraftKings is giving new customers $200 in free bets instantly when you bet $1 or more on any football game. Listen up, because you don't want to miss this. Head to DraftKings Sportsbook app now and place a bet of $1 or more on any Week 1 game to receive $200 in free bets instantly. If Sportsbook is not yet available in your state, DraftKings still has huge cash prizes up for grabs all season long with their daily fantasy contests. And for week one, DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at a $1 million top prize. Nothing has the excitement of watching a game quite like having a free shot at a $1 million top prize. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the promo code THPN to receive $200 in free bets when you place a $1 bet on any football game and get a free shot at a $1 million top prize with your first deposit. That's promo code THPN for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 years or older, New Jersey, Indiana, and Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and a $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Want to go, pretty boy? Two minutes by yourself, and you feel shame, you know, and then you get free. Only thing better than a glass of beer is tea with Miss McGill. <laughs> and welcome to the Fourth Line Voice Podcast. My name is Darren. Thank you very much for tuning in. Episode 138 of the Big Show, some enforcer-based podcasting coming at you, brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. How's everybody doing out there in the middle of this long weekend? The Labor Day, you know, that Labor Day holiday, that that holiday that nobody works on. Um, but I hope everybody's having a great September long weekend out there. Um, thank you very much for tuning in. Uh, this will be part two of my interview with Paul Ferrone. I want to thank everybody that tuned in to uh, episode one. Um, 
or part one. Uh, it was it was very well received. I've got a lot of positive feedback on it. Um, I know it is a really climbing the old charts. There it was, I believe, number eight in the UK and fifty in Canada or something. So that was really cool. I shared that with Paul. He was he was he's pretty excited about it. Um, I don't think he under really stunned. He's not a social media guy. He's not on any social media. So he was just like, is that good? And I'm like, I, I guess I think so. And he's like, Oh, right on. So, uh, but, um, no, thank you. And, uh, again, if you were, uh, if you were a new listener and you're tuning in, um, you know, just because you saw Paul Ferrone or whatever, um, welcome. Thank you. Um, normally I do two episodes a week. Um, Sunday is usually the interview day and then, or pardon me, Wednesday is usually interview day, and then Sunday is usually a rant episode where I kind of just stare out the window and rant and rave about the current goings-on in hockey or something, or out of an old article I find or comes up, I'll share that or what have you. Um, but of course, obviously, with this being in two parts, um, I didn't want to break it up and do like Wednesday rant day and then Wednesday, next Wednesday part two. So I wanted to do it all um, um, consecutively. But um, also, if you're a new listener, uh, I highly recommend to go back and check out my back catalog. I've interviewed Steve McIntyre, John Morasti, Joey Tedarenko, Roman Volpat, Clark Wilm, uh, on and on. Um, as well, if you're a UK listener, uh, Zach Fitzgerald, Colt, Colt King, uh, Jason Goulet, Riley Emerson, Nickerson, Grimaldi, Mike McWilliam, McMorrow. I've interviewed quite a few UK cats, uh, Jeremy Cornish. Um, so definitely, I, again, recommend going back and checking those out. Again, we just like the Ferone interview timeline at their whole career. And, uh, yeah, it's a really in-depth look at the guy. So, uh, you know, again, please check that out. If you happen to be on social media, give me a follow. I'm on Twitter at Fourth Line Voice as well as at Facebook and, uh, and as well as on YouTube. I have over 2,500 fight videos up and uh from all the leagues and everything sorted just go to the little sort the search engine there nhl ahl whl whatever you want to look at boom they'll all come up and like i said i, I try to please subscribe and hit the notification that way when something new gets uh uploaded you'll be notified um normally i try to do i'm not a huge like I'm not as aggressive with it lately as I have been over the, over the past. Um, just cause we're sort of in the middle of like moving or wanting to move. So a lot of our stuff is packed away, including my fight DVDs. So I have some here and there. Um, but normally I like to post, you know, uh, 10, 20 clips a week if I can. When I'm, when I'm cruising, I got everything here. I can do that. Um, and I'd like to get back to that shortly. I have a few projects I'd really like to do on YouTube. Um, you know, some player pieces and that type of thing. So like I said, please, uh, Please subscribe to the channel and uh, and going forward here in the fall we'll uh, we'll see we'll see what's up. But I should have a few things coming out. Um, again, I'm not going to talk for too long today, guys. Like I said, Paul and I talked for almost two hours in this one. Uh, we cover a time in Syracuse, in the American League, and the East Coast League, and then of course over to the UK, and we discussed all that. Um, his his six or seven year was it six years over there? Um, and yeah, yeah, and we talk about everything. So. Uh, yeah, I think you guys will really dig it, so I won't uh, I won't talk too long. But before I go, um, obviously I have to, uh, like I said, I'm a member of the Hockey Podcast Network. There's over 50 shows in the network. Um, all the NHL teams are represented, so whatever team you're a fan of, there's a show for you. Um, definitely those guys will be starting up here with with camps coming and, and here in September and October. So, uh, you know, the season's just around the corner, so they'll be up and going. Um, and then for my off-network friends, of course, uh, Florida man there, old uh, Alec at the Fire for Fighting podcast. Um, 
definitely check out his show. He's back in black. And, uh, yeah, he just had Jason Bone on. He did a live interview on the Facebook page. If you happen to be on Facebook, um, I forgot to mention, uh, the Enforcer Appreciation Group, as well as the, uh, Fights, Hits, and Brawls page. Check those out. Become a member. And, uh, you know, a lot of good videos and pictures and, uh, and just good, some good solid debates are, are happening on those, uh, on, on those, um, in those groups, but uh, Alec, uh, what he's been doing on Fridays um, is kind of is doing live interviews, and um, yeah, so it's really it's interactive. You can log in, and uh, he, had, he had Bone on, and he had Sean Pete on before, and as well as Doctor Chris Longmire out there in Wyoming, and uh, yeah, and they just watch videos and talk and bullshit, and it's a lot of fun. So join the group and definitely check that out. And of course, from that interview, obviously on on Tuesdays he'll he'll release the. The audio version of it. So, and like I said, last week was Jason Bone. So, you know, long time, uh, minor league tough guy in Quebec and, and down on the Southern Pro. So check that out. Like I said, Alex got a tremendous back catalog by Lois, Segroy, Rob Ray, uh, Yablonski. I mean, he's done, he does a great job. I, it pains me to say that, but he does do a good job. But, uh, and then also Joe, Joe Lazito, Gary Lazito over at the Coliseum Chronicles. It's a New York Islander based podcast uh new york islander enforcer based podcast again fakoda bolton strudwick asham tremendous back catalog joe's been around um like i said uh joe's at the top of his game he's a legend out in long island uh you know just ask him um but he's got all the boroughs covered he's got merch he's selling merch left and right it's flying out the doors you know uh yoga pants shirts hats pens coffee mugs frisbees you name it joe's got it he'll put his he'll slap his face on anything believe me joe put his face into onto anything into anything yeah maybe onto anything but right now i know if anybody out there in the sound of my voice um i know joe is really anxious and trying if anybody out there knows the whereabouts of miko makala let joe know he's got the jersey he'd like to talk to to m&m double m's and uh, if anybody has any used, uh, you know, game-worn jerseys, sticks, socks, jock straps, you name it, let Joe know. Get a hold of him. He's all over social media. He'd definitely be interested in that sort of thing. But again, Joe Lazito, Coliseum Chronicles. Give it a little Zito. All right. Now that we've got that stuff out of the way, I, I think everybody's just tired of you know you didn't tune in to listen to me so let's get going. I will say if you when you if you come back, please come back and check out Wednesday's episode. Um, what I'm going to do, of course, with Netflix releasing the Danbury Trashers documentary, and every uh, everyone online's been going crazy for that stuff, and uh, and, and it was a really uh, I really enjoyed the documentary. It was great. Brad Wingfeld was tremendous in that show, and they did a real big. Uh, you know, he was, he was definitely the main focus in terms of players on the, on the show there. Um, I interviewed Brad, um, you know, for about three hours uh, on my old platform. And, uh, some of the stories that are in the show he talked about in the interview, as well as a few more. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to go back and, um, cause that was before I was with the network when that show came out or that interview. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to, uh, edit out the, the uh, Danbury portions and well, I'm going to upload that, uh, for Wednesday. So, uh, you know, we'll kind of have a Danbury trashers type episode and, uh, 
it will it will definitely check that out. I want to see how long it is. Like I said, it's been so long I can't remember, but it's probably at least 15, 20 minutes. And if that's the case, maybe I'll bring up my now that I'm I'm saying it out loud. I never thought of this until now. Um, I've also interviewed John Morasti, and of course he played in Danbury as well. So ah, maybe I'll edit that out as well and load those up. We'll have a real Danbury type special on Wednesday. But uh, I would definitely be putting the Wingfeld uh, part up. I mean, you gotta we'll ride the trashers wave here that's taking over social media. So that'll be Wednesday's show. So I, I encourage you to come back and check that out because it's a wild interview with Wingfeld, and uh, he tells some great stories. So that'll be uh, Wednesday's show. But uh, in the meantime, how about we get on to it with uh, Paul Ferrone? And uh, thank you very much for tuning in. Oh, I keep saying, and before we go, um, whatever uh, platform you're listening to the show, um, could you uh, rate and review it? Um, that definitely, it helps me out in the searches, and I'd really appreciate it if you guys could do that. All right. Thank you. And uh, without further ado, let's wrap it up. The finale, part two, with Paul Ferrone. Thanks, everybody. We'll talk to you Wednesday. All right. Uh, now, some of your teammates, uh, your first year there in Syracuse, um, one, and one's kind of interesting. He's a high draft pick and uh, was Alex Stoinoff. Yeah, he, um, I remember, I think at that time he was with Pittsburgh's farm club. That's how we wound up playing together, obviously, because we were sharing a farm club. But I remember watching him as, on the Canucks and I remember him maybe coming up and fighting, was it McCarthy? One of his earlier games in the NHL, he fights McCarthy. So, yeah, almost watching him as again as a fan and then playing him with him three years later a little a little bit different, but uh, I think he uh, he wanted to burn his hand, and then maybe I, I remember he fought the Rock and uh, maybe jammed his neck or something. But I, I didn't uh, I didn't feel like I got to play with him all that much. I mean, I, later on in January, I uh, I got sent to the coast, and I'm not sure if it was then that he was getting his games up, or maybe they um, maybe they they called them up. Um, that year, but I don't, I don't have huge recollections of him. But yeah, definitely, obviously, a tough guy and, a, and probably a decent player too. Oh, Chris McAllister, you went for fighting him. Now yeah. you're a teammate with him. Yeah, yeah, Chris. Chris was great. He was, uh, he was a, a good guy, and yeah, we'd laugh about uh, fighting in camp. And obviously, a very tough guy. Like I said, for a big guy, a lot of those big guys they like to, uh, they like to hold and then maybe throw one. But to me, it seemed like he was always. Uh, he was always pretty aggressive, always trying to to be quicker as a big guy. You know what I mean, throwing uh, throwing quick shots. But yeah, definitely, uh, definitely a top fighter. Well, you had a well, and you had a few bouts against some experienced heavyweights that year. Um, one of them in Rochester was Greg Walters. Uh, yeah, how'd that fight go? Um, so Walters, you know what? Uh, just a little backstory, I guess on uh, not on Walters, but just on. I, I, re- I remember hearing about, you know, how there's going to be this big transition. Um, you know, like I said, now you're going from fighting 19, 20-year-olds, as tough as them, but now you're fighting men, 25, 30-year-olds. And uh, it's funny, so I was kind of waiting for this. And in exhibition, I kind of breezed through exhibition and had some big uh, big wins and, you know, dropped a couple guys. And I was like, fuck, okay, well, this doesn't seem like, uh, you know, this doesn't seem like a big deal. I'm doing great here. And, and then uh, I think Walters was on... He was with Rochester. Uh, Roman Nadur was there also. Yeah. Um, and uh, so they they had a lot of tough guys. There was a lot more guys I can't remember on that team. But um, I think I remember our first my first fight was Walters. It wasn't anything special. We both threw some, and I think yeah, yeah, we both went down. Not not from punches, just off balance or whatever else. And uh, 
my uh, my second fight with him. I think we squared off. I remember he threw a big big bomb and it, it landed. You know, it didn't hurt me or anything like that, but it it actually cut me. And uh, I uh, I got a buddy, Rob Wilson. We'll get to once we get to Europe. But uh, him and him and Walters were buddies, and uh, Willie uh, it left me with a little bit of a scar there. And Willie always loved the reminded me sorry that is uh that his buddy landed uh landed one on me um i went back to fighting next year i was, I was, I was a lot heavier um uh, like i said i think my first year in american i was 185 when something i got and uh eventually i've got to 200 you know an extra 10 or 15 pounds of muscle it made a huge difference but i, I went back to fight him the next year because uh i definitely wanted to get him back and i dropped my stuff and he never wound up fighting um obviously not because he was scared you know what i mean and just he fought everyone but uh I guess the time wasn't right. So that's one guy, he, you know, he uh, definitely left a mark on me, but I, I never got to get him back. Um, I think Madur was the, was the same. He was just a really big, strong guy. From what I remember, he was a pretty good hockey player. Uh, we wound up playing against each other in England. But, uh, you know, he was another guy that just, uh, you know, those early fights, these guys were strong. You know what I mean? When they grabbed you, you could feel it. Like, there was a difference from the WHL. You know, I was, I was used to the WHL just grabbing and throwing and uh you know you know most of the time i was going to win just by uh being a better puncher and quicker and uh i, I noticed those first couple fights you know two against walters the one against naduria it, it almost had you doubting yourself and sorry not yourself but your style like the way yeah. they would grab you grab your right hand right off the bat so now you know that's my best thing back then and then maybe my first year in america league i'm not confident enough that i want to let go of their good hand and, and you know and uh, throw my left. So it, it was there's there's a little bit of a learning curve. I remember and uh, um, you know I I knew it was almost a wake up call. Those 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 couple fights where I knew I had to get a lot stronger and then also I knew uh, you know I knew I had to uh, to uh, start taking this more serious because I remember uh, looking at uh, Walters and he'd have a tub of Vaseline on his face and his wrists would be taped with a roll of tape and. Uh, the leather chin strap and you know i was just going out there i just thought it was like junior you know i mean just go out there i'm a better fighter than these guys and i'm, I'm gonna win you know what i mean so it almost uh it almost made me realize you know what i mean like okay you know get your head on straight now you're fighting you know the best of the best and and the same with nadir just how strong he was and he he grabbed you right you know what i mean it just uh it was good to have those fights early um it made me realize you know that you're not not every fight you're gonna get to wing away so you better try to learn to fight like that you know what i mean holding and punching also you know i mean obviously i was always gonna attempt to, to throw and to get into a toe-to-toe fight but you're you're not always gonna get that and sometimes these guys are gonna be uh be stronger than you so you you know you you better learn um, well after that yeah after that i had a couple of good fights that went my way and and, and everything starts coming back and you think but i, I remember <laughs> i remember those couple fights being a bit of a learning curve well it's you're another big dude that you go and dad are on that, that old dark rink in Glen Falls and, and another big dude, Roger Maxwell. Do you remember that fight? Yeah. You know what? He was the right around that same time. He would have been one of those strong guys. I, I felt fine in that fight. You know, we, we both threw some and, um, I don't know if it was, you know, it wasn't anything great. I'd say, all, but all those fights, I just, I kind of noticed how strong these guys, that was what stood out to me. Um, I know obviously he was another really tough guy. Uh, but yeah, those were all early fights, and yeah, like I said, it was just a almost a you know a learning curve where okay, but, you know, uh, <laughs> be ready because this isn't the WHL anymore. Well, speaking of the old an old T Bird alumni guy, you end up running into him in Albany. 
Um, and you guys, and now here you are fighting someone the same size. Um, you know, and he had a pretty, uh, a pretty deep NHL resume at that time. Um, Doty Wood. Yeah. Yeah. Doty Wood. I, I, uh, he's about, uh, I don't know, I'd say four or five years older than me, but I, in Seattle, there was all those old fight tapes floating around and, and, you know, I'd watched Doty Wood fight a lot of times and had a lot of respect for him. You know, he was probably my size, good player, you know, similar and, uh, and a good fighter. And, you know, I thought I saw him maybe it was a year before, two years before, like he fights Domi and, uh, you know, one of those fights, I thought he got the edge on, you know, edge on him. Um, so, uh, I knew how tough he was. Uh, if I remember that fight right, I think he was pushing it with somebody else and I, I just skated in there and, uh, hit him when we dropped our gloves and we went at it and we had a good fight. And, uh, I, uh, yeah, that was more my style. It was a more a toe to toe and we were, um, you know, we were just chucking them and switching hands. Um, I think we fought later on in England, but it wound up being more uh, kind of an in-close wrestling and throw one. He throws one, but that one in Albi, if I remember right, we were we were chucking them pretty good, and uh, yeah, doing well in that fight gave me a uh, yeah gave me a lot of confidence. You know, what I mean that uh, you know I could fight with all these guys, which I knew I could, but you know, he just uh, it's nice getting uh, getting those under your belt. Well, uh, the next the next fight I got to ask you about, of course, against the large human, and I think there's something to this story a little bit, but. Uh, you end up fighting in New Haven, Peter Worrell. First of all, what's it like fighting a guy again? That well, that's like Chara territory in terms of size, pretty much. Um, you know what? What was it like fighting Big Pete? And uh, what's the story there in New Haven? Yeah, uh, you know what? I think that was the next night after um, after I fought Wood. Um, like I said, I could never quite get on a good run on a good line in American League just to so many guys but um so I, i'd fought wood the night before and and uh McElhardy has me uh has me on a, a good line so i'm i'm playing tons that game and I, and I got a goal i got an assist um and you know it's you're i don't know it, when you're fighting you're always so alert who's on the ice and trying to stay fresh um i mean it happens to everyone but it really sucks getting stuck out there fighting some guy and you're already gassed you know what i mean and and everybody has those but <laughs> That game, for some reason, I remember, uh, I, you know, I couldn't have given a fuck about uh, fighting. Like, I, I already had a goal and assist. I'm out there on a good line and not even thinking twice. And then, so I've already been out there a minute. I remember War else just running around and just laying guys out. And uh, I was like, oh, you know, like, come on. You know, why is this, you know, I could have, uh, it's going to happen when I was fresh. So anyways, yeah, I, I went in, dropped my stuff. We fought. Um, it wasn't unbelievable, you know. It wasn't an unbelievable fight. He he was throwing some. I I threw some. Uh, I remember being pretty tired in that fight and and just slipping. And but we ended on our feet. There was there was no damage done. Um, but yeah, as I'm as I'm going off, um, they didn't. They I guess now they have those tunnels where they have the protective, you know, the the blue mesh or whatever you have. You, you but back then there was you know there was no uh, there was no protection. And, and I'm going off and. Uh, fan says how's your face then i you know i said how's yours and i go at him um whether i hit him or not i'm not too sure i I don't think i hit him he says i hit him but um so we're you know we're in the dressing room um we're just laughing you know it's in between periods we're having a whatever you do during periods and i'm going to uh go out for uh, the third period and jack comes up and he says hey uh, for own uh the cops are here for you and I go, oh, the cops are here. You know what I mean? We're like slap shot. We all start laughing. You know what I mean? What do you mean the cops are here for me? He goes, yeah, no, that, that fan, 
says that you uh, assaulted him, so they're not letting you go out <laughs> going out for the game. So we're not taking it all that serious. Um, anyways, uh, they, they hold me out of the game. Um, the guy winds up uh, charging me. Um, and then uh, I think there's even a civil suit, which eventually gets gets dropped. But, uh, yeah, it's like I had a goal, an assist, and a fight, and an assault charge. And that was uh, that was in two periods. So, uh, you know, maybe <laughs> I'm not sure what I could have done. If they gave me that third period, let me go out there for the third, I'm not sure how I could have trumped that. But, uh, yeah. So, anyways, me and Jack, uh, we got to go down a month later. We go to court, and uh, it gets knocked down to a fine, and, and it blows over. Um, but, uh, to be honest, it, you know, it's funny to laugh about, but I I, I wound up getting a six-game suspension, and uh, I know I just kind of screwed myself again. Uh, you know, I, I was finally playing on a good line two games in a row, you know, contributing you know, offensively. And then uh, when I got back, I think Gary Roberts would send down a couple other guys, and... Uh, I was out of the lineup and Jack told me, uh, you know, uh, we just got too many guys, some Pittsburgh guys that got sent down to, and uh, we're going to send you down to the coast. So, I mean, it's, it was funny for a laugh, but you know, it, it didn't work out that great that, you know, I guess just kind of those six games when things were starting to roll for me. Well, like you said, you get sent down to Raleigh, the ice caps in the East coast league. And, uh, you had, uh, some pretty tough teammates in Raleigh. Former, hey, look, I just, I'm getting all the guys here on the show. Former guests of the show, Dan Kopeck and Jesse Rosanzoff are down there. What are your memories of playing with those two cats? Yeah, those are, again, two great guys, two great uh, teammates. I, I went down there, so it was mid, mid to end of January. Um, so a lot of the heavy fighting would be done by Kopeck and uh, Rosanzoff already. There was another guy, Richard, when he was down there. And uh, who was there? Southie, little Southie guy, David kind of. Uh, or was John? One, one was the dad, and one was the the son. I think it was David kind of, but he was another little fighter. So there was, uh, you know, I mean, there was enough toughness between me and Kopech, Rosanzoff, Irwin, kind of. I'm sure there were some other guys there. That, you know, it could have been an AHL tough guy, tough team. You know what I mean? Um, those guys were great. Kopech was great. Rosanzoff was great. Um, they uh, they they all, they had great attitudes down there. That was my first time getting sent to the coast, um, and uh, you know, I just tried to be a good teammate. The, the Next time I get south down there a couple of years later, you know, maybe I don't have the best attitude. But when I went down there, Jack just said, you know, go down. You're not going to be fighting much. Just go play hockey. We've seen you fight a ton, you know. Go and enjoy yourself. And, and that's what I did. Um, you know, I still probably had three or four fights. But we were just down there uh, playing, playing hard, having a good time. And, yeah, I mean, Jesse, he had been in Fredericton the year before. I think he had whatever he had, 25, 30 fights. And he probably didn't deserve to be down there. You know I mean? He should have been on an AHL rest roster. And I thought uh, – I thought he had uh, a great attitude down there. So I, w- I was just trying to stay positive and, and follow his lead, which, you know, it's tough sometimes when you, you want to be in the AHL or you want to be in the NHL. You're, you're in the AHL and you're hoping to get called up to the NHL, never mind sent down. So, you know, I mean, it's always uh, it's always a bit hard. Um, Kopech, too, great teammate, great guy. Um, unfortunately, uh, I remember when I, I'd get called back up to Syracuse, go back to Syracuse, I would always tell Jack, but I was really surprised. I think it just had to do something something that they were so far down um geographically like uh you know sometimes the northern guys would get called up more often but because he was a definitely another tough guy and, and a good player and he should have should have been given way more of a chance in uh in the AHL. 
No, ab- well, yeah, absolutely. And I mean, uh, yeah, both those guys. Uh, well, of course, East Coast League was like, you know, at that time, I mean, like you said, it was, you know, you, well, you had Calvin Crow running around there and Dayton and Gary Goulash and Garrett Burnett and Louis Bedard and um, Justin McPolin and Eric Bolton. Did you have any, any run-ins with these guys? Marty Mel, the meat grinder, Marty Melnichuk? No, I, I didn't. Um... I only had a couple fights down there, to be honest. Nobody really acted up against our team, and I, I wasn't a guy that really ran around uh, in the East Coast. I would just go down there and play. And if, if you wanted to fight, 100, I was ready to fight. But unless you did something to your team, to my teammates, or or uh, you know, if you came to fight me, I, I wasn't a guy that was ever going to run around in the coast. Uh, I think a couple of guys came to fight me there. Who was that? Uh, used to be a guy in Saskatoon. Maybe was it Schrader? Or something. Um, oh, Jeremy Schaefer. Jeremy Schaefer. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe Schaefer. Yeah, he might have came, and um, that was. Uh, yeah, a couple other guys. There was no, but nothing I can really remember. Like I said, it was kind of the end of the year, so I mean, usually guys come out guns blazing at the start, and it wasn't. There wasn't a lot of fighting going on there, and, and you know, I'm pretty sure our team intimidated a lot of a lot of other teams. Um. Well, the following year, uh, 98, 99, uh, would it be your third Canuck camp? Did you go to Canucks camp that year? Yeah, that's right. So I'm, I'm signed by now. Uh, yeah. So I have a three-year NHL deal. Um, that year, I think, I want to say they bring in Keenan as the coach. Uh, I could be getting his years mixed up. But they bring in Keenan, and he has a no-fighting rule, um, which is, to be honest, uh, I'm sure any fighter will tell you, but it's easy to play hockey when you're not trying to save your energy or you're not trying to worry about who's coming on the ice and getting caught out there tired um so there was no fighting allowed and, and to be honest that was uh that was my best camp out of any of them um by now you know i mean i've, I've gotten a lot stronger i'm heavier and, and i've improved a lot i think as a hockey player and uh um i went to camp and you know i there was a couple different games where i was you know the, just the local paper as the stars of the game you know what i mean and you know, a second star one game and third the other. And, you know, I had some big hits and some goals. And, yeah, and I felt I felt great. And uh, it's funny, they, they were, I'm not sure why it worked out, but they kept doing cuts. And I, I was sticking around, sticking around. And they told me a couple of times, you're going to probably dress tonight. And then I never wanted dressing. And then there was another game where they said, I, I think it was Toronto. And I think Domi was there at that time. And I was praying, you know what I mean, that they'd get me into those games and maybe he'd be playing. And, you know, I just wanted to get some big NHL main fights on my on my belt. Because I knew, you know, I knew I was capable of fighting those guys and beating a lot of them. You know, I mean, I was probably at my strongest by now. I'm 22, or you know, I mean, than I've ever been and heaviest. Um, and it was weird. And then all of a sudden, they sent me down and said, "Just go, go down and have a have a good year in Syracuse." And I didn't get any games. And but that was actually my best camp. And and I hung around not till the end, but you know, farther than I've ever been. So um, yeah, uh, but yeah, no no fights that year at camp. Just just because of the rule, only reason. Well, so you're in Syracuse and, uh, you know, unfortunately, you know, you played 28 games that year and you got, uh, you know, with the injuries and stuff, um, you know, were you like, were you in and out of the lineup or was it, uh, like injuries? Like what happened there with the, with just the 28 games? You know what? Uh, I got down there, um, and I had a pretty much, they had Larry Shapley. I'm not sure if you remember. He was a big six foot six guy. He was probably 240. Peterborough, uh, yep. and then Kyle Friedrich was 20. Um, so I was getting in and out of the lineup, and Jack had pulled me aside, and uh, he said, just just bear with me. Like, 
pretty much it was addition between uh, Shapley and Friedrich for the other job. Um, he says, you're going to play lots this year. Um, just, just hang in there. So I get my games in and I, I, uh, I'd go out and get in fights and, uh, I felt good playing wise. And then, you know, I was taking on some really tough guys there and I, and I felt great fighting wise. Um, but it was almost like, you know, it wasn't regular until Friedrich went back to junior. Um, once he went back to junior, um, then, uh, Shapley was, it would be kind of me and Shapley rotating or we'd both be in the, both be in the lineup. And Shapley wound up being a really tough guy. Uh, but you know, he, like any of those big guys, maybe he, he struggled a little bit at the start. Um, and then I think, uh, Jack just kind of started playing me regularly, um, or in the lineup regularly. I wasn't quite getting a, a regular shift yet until around, uh, Christmas time. It was almost like, um, you know, finally I, I'd done enough and, uh, Jack started rewarding me. I mean, I was, I was winning my fights and, uh, and playing good and, uh, you know, probably had about a five, uh, five, six, uh, game run there playing on a good line and, and showing that obviously I sh- should be in a regular age well and then yeah speaking like your fight card well let's get into who, a couple of the guys you fought but what, of course going in you're going into the spectrum you're playing in Philadelphia I could imagine playing the Phantoms that year I mean they got Bonvi and McLaren and Bialois and Bolleris and Belanger and McIsaac and even Dan Cordick for a little bit and of course then they got Andre Payette who you ended up fighting you know, not for the first time, but not the last time. Um, what was it like just rolling into Philly and playing that team? Yeah. Yeah. Like I think I mentioned earlier, like it, ne- it never mattered to me whether I was playing home or away. Like I wasn't uh, ever, you weren't ever going to intimidate me and I didn't care who was who, but there was no chance. There's no player that could tell you that they weren't going into that rink and being on high alert. You know I mean? You knew you were fighting. There's no chance you're, you're getting through that game without fighting. Um, but yeah, but I, I didn't realize now, when you say those names, that's crazy that all those guys are on one team. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's probably, you could take off one of those guys and throw, spread them around the league and every, every team would feel uh, pretty confident of their chances. Never mind putting all those guys on the, yeah. on the same team. Um, yeah. No, but anyways, yeah. So you, you, you knew it. I think, uh, I think I, I fought, uh, Payette early. One of those, uh, one of those games, uh, and then, you know, once you have that first fight, I think he took a run at me and then uh, dropped a stuff in fight. And after you've had that first fight, you, the nerves are gone. And, you know what I mean? Uh, you're not worried. If you if you got to fight a second or third time, that's the easiest thing to do. It's always just probably getting that first fight out of the way early. And then it's, uh, yeah, then you're confident and uh, ready to go. Well, you had two fights against the guy. Um, and he was around the IHL for a long time, left-handed, kind of underrated dude, tough guy, uh, Barry Drager. Uh, what was it like fighting Drager? Yeah, uh, he was Adirondack. Uh, yep. I want to say yep. he was, yeah, he was Adirondack. Uh, they had him and Tobler. Um, yep. I fought both those guys uh, twice. Drager, uh, I think the first fight was a little bit more technical. Um, and then the second one, we just got winging away, and uh, um, I... Yeah, I felt great in that fight. I mean, I just I was throwing ups and overs, and uh, yeah, I, I mean, I definitely felt like I I won that fight. I don't remember him throwing a lot of punches, um, but yeah, I, I that second year I was I you know I was really feeling good about things. I like I said, I was stronger and punching harder, and um, yeah, I felt good about it. Uh, Tobler, I think the same. The first fight was maybe kind of a wrestling match, and uh, I remember that one better because I remember going into the rink in Syracuse, and Jack called me into the office. He just probably happened to be watching that game at that time, and uh, 
and then the second one, I think we squared off and we're going at it. And I, I remember catching him with some good ones. Um, but yeah, they, they had a tough team, obviously. Uh, both those guys were super tough guys. Well, two guys that you fought that, of course, went on to have, you know, very long NHL careers were Sean Thornton and Eric Bolton. How was it like fighting those guys? Yeah. Yeah. Sean Thornton. Um, he, he was with the Maple Leafs Farm Club at that time, if I remember right. Um, you know what? That, that was, I want to say that was just before Christmas. Uh, that was in December. Um, unfortunately, you know, I had a good fight with him, but that's kind of when I was talking about it. I think in December, Jack, you know, I'd seen enough that, you know, okay, you're on a good line. I was, I was playing regularly and, and fighting and, uh, I think he was really happy with how things were going. And, uh, I, uh, me and Thornton fought. I just went out and asked him. I think he was leading the league at, at fights at that point. And I remember, uh, yeah, I just wasn't getting in the, quite the lineup enough to be leading the league in fights. But I remember early in the year, you know, I was, I was fighting as much as I could and I was, I was doing well, uh, to, on the, on the actual, uh, fighting majors. But then I just, I just wasn't getting enough to, to lead it. But I think he was leading at that time. I, I knew who he was. I went after him. Uh, we had a good fight. He was a guy also that just likes to throw punches. Um, and uh, we were we were just chucking him. It was a really good fight. Uh, I remember watching that one again with Jack, and it looked like a you know looked like a good fight. And uh, obviously, he went on and had a great NHL uh, career and fought everyone there was to fight. Um, but 100, uh, percent you know, it was a very fair fight. Or you know, if you want to say who edged it, I definitely never lost that fight. Um, unfortunately, though, we uh, we locked up, and he's a really strong guy. Um, at the end of the fight. I kind of pulled away to pull out of my left, um, to free up my left, and he had my arm, and it bent the wrong way. Uh, there was not; it wasn't dirty. He wasn't trying to do anything. It was just, it was just the way we locked up, um, and I felt something tear. And you, you know, right away, like half the time, you got injuries in hockey, and you don't feel it till the next day. But something, you know, was wrong immediately. So we went in the, yeah, the penalty box, and fuck, I couldn't lift my arm. Um, I kept playing with it. Um, it wound up being a, yeah, there was a tear right by my elbow. Um, but I tried to, you know, kind of tried to hide it. Jack knew there was something, but I was kind of trying to downplay it. I mean, I was finally on a good line and everything was rolling for me and fuck, I didn't want to, you know, I didn't want to come out of the lineup or have this disrupted. Um, and, uh, but it, 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 you know, it was, it, fuck, I couldn't shoot. You know I mean, I couldn't use my left. It was just, I would try to tape it up when I was trying to get treatment. Um, I wound up missing a, a couple games and then I came back and played with it, but it was just, you know, it wasn't something that was just going to heal overnight. Um, I played with it a couple, you know, a couple weeks. I think I fought Van Owen. We had a, you know, good fight and um, it just, I never really used my left in it. I was like, well, you know, maybe I can get through the rest of this year and just keep fighting with my right and hopefully Norm doesn't get locked up. But, you know, I was kind of just kidding myself. Um, I think Bolton, yeah, you said Bolton. I think he was in Kentucky that year, and uh, he had just come up from the coast, and he wanted to fight. And yeah, I didn't. Uh, I, I probably shouldn't have fought that fight, and you know, but I didn't want to say no to the guy either. And he was just, you know, I mean, obviously, you know how tough he is, and he just went on and had a great NHL career and fought everyone too. But it was just, he was strong, and it, it was too tough for me to try to tie up or even to switch. It was just, uh, and I think that was kind of the fight where I was like, you know, like you can't, you can't fight these guys with one arm you know what i mean you need to be you need to be at your best um so me and jack talked and you know he was he finally kind of said you know yeah same thing you can't do this you need to you need to heal this up um you know it's it's pretty dangerous and uh 
that's kind of that was kind of yeah the end of the season unfortunately because uh like i said i was rolling i was on a good line and there was still whatever there was 38 games left in the season you know what i mean that would probably put me 70 you know 60 70 games and start becoming one of those regular NHL, uh, AHL guys, you know. But, yeah, it didn't work out. And that, that's why it was only those 28 games that season. Well, how'd the, uh, like, obviously, how'd the rehab go? And, how like, going into the next year, how were you feeling at that point when camp came around? You know what? I So I, I just worked on legs. Um, <laughs> legs in my right hand. Um, I just threw all right hands, basically. I just had my arm in a, in a sling taped to my... And, and I worked on my right for you know four or five months, and uh, worked on legs. I just you know squats, running, trail, whatever I could do, and it, and it started coming together. Um, it's still to this day there's something wrong with it, but by the time I rolled around the camp, um, it felt a hell of a lot better. But it, it, to be honest, it probably took me a year before I was comfortable to to throw a left because every time it extended, it was just uh, like a shooting pain, you know, down your arm, and it was like. You know, I mean, every you know, it just it never felt like it was quite, quite healed. So yeah, I just worked on, like I said, rights and did my legs all summer, and actually uh, probably went into, uh, I went into camp the heaviest I've ever been. I was up to like two hundred seven or thing, which which was too heavy for me, to be honest. I uh, I was comfortable at you know, if you had to ask me, I probably would have played at one ninety five was when I was best hockey player, but I always tried to stay at two hundred just uh, just for fighting wise. That extra you know five or seven pounds uh, made a difference and confidence and for fighting but uh for actually being a good hockey player you know 190 or 195 i felt way better and way quicker um but yeah so i went to camp the heaviest i'd ever been that year all right so you're in uh you're in canuck camp and uh you know for the fourth year and uh you get into a couple fights with some uh some future teammates in syracuse and uh in mike first round brown and uh and, and trevor doyle how'd those fights go yeah, so that's, yeah, my fourth training camp. Uh, yeah, I'll fight Mike Brown early in camp. Yeah, we have a good fight. Um, obviously, he's a super tough guy, and we're winging him good. We have a good fight, and then I uh, I fight Trevor Doyle a little bit later on in camp. And fights go good. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's just uh, two tough guys to fight at training camp. You were saying, um, and unfortunately, you, got, you kind of uh, uh, got cut a little early like right, right around the first rounds or second round of cuts. Um, how, you know, and it's your fourth year, how disappointing was that? Uh, you know what? Um, yeah, that uh, that year I I don't get any exhibition games in, and if it's not the first round of cuts, it's the second, um, and I'm sent down. Um, I I have a little meeting with Smeal, and, yeah, we kind of, you know, I mean, because uh, he's seen me now for three years. He knows what I'm about, and I, I just, you know, I said uh Look, I said this is a you know this is a big year for me. Um, obviously, I'm not in Canucks plans anymore. But uh, what's uh, what are you thinking for Syracuse? Because you know we, I got a bit of time here. If if you have no interest in me in Syracuse, maybe you guys can loan me out or I can go try out somewhere else. Because uh, yeah, I was disappointed. I, I, I didn't get any exhibition games. And he says, yeah, no, we'll we'll try to make it work in Syracuse. Um, so uh, you know, I I've watched you play. I know what you're about. So it sounds like it's going to be a pretty good season. Um, because yeah, I need you know I need to make it. It's year three now, and I need to uh, I need to become a regular AHLer, right? Um, so yeah, we go down there, and uh, if it's you know maybe it's four weeks in or six weeks in, uh, I'm just getting in and out of the lineup, and uh, it's it's the same thing all over again. Um, I think Trent Clack gets sent down. Then I want to say Matt Cook gets sent down. Um, 
and then uh, you know, Samil calls me and, and uh, tells me they're going to send me to the coast. Um, obviously, I get pissed off. And I say some things. Um, he he probably gets pissed off at what I'm saying. Um, it's not a good meeting. Uh, you know, uh, it just anyways. It, it wasn't how I vision my third year going so we we kind of get into it it, it uh in the end I, I wind up going down the coast but I, i'm not happy um i'm not a, you know i'm not uh not feeling it that year i think uh i think uh, everyone that's uh if you play hockey long enough you have those years where uh nothing's clicking for you but uh you know i i probably should have handled it better um kind of went down to the coast and uh I, I don't want to say I checked out because I didn't. I, I went and played, and I was trying to be a good teammate. But I think when you're uh, when you're frustrated, sometimes it affects your play. And uh, um, yeah, I should have I should have uh, probably handled it better. I mean, the hockey world doesn't know anything. The world doesn't know anything. I just uh, it was just uh, I was just pissed off, and I uh, you know I think I let it affect my play uh, for most part. Of my you know my whole career, uh, junior or pro, I was uh, I was pretty happy with how I played and uh, worked hard and everything else. And if there's one uh, Probably one year where maybe I'm a little disappointed in myself. It was that. It was that year because you know what? I I got called back up and uh, I had some chances and uh, I don't think I uh, I turned it into uh, what I should have. What I would have done in the past. Uh, you know, I just maybe was a little uh, mentally checked out of that year. Well, well, and it happens, like you said, and sometimes you just don't click with a coach, and uh, you know, unfortunate. You know, and uh, we always look back on things and could have, should have, would have, but. Uh, but nonetheless, we brought them up. Like you said, you scrapped them in, in the camp there. But now your teammates with them. Um, just what was it like being uh, teammates with? Uh, well, we'll start with Mike Brown. Yeah, Brown. Um, I, I got along with Brown. I, I knew him from. Uh, I knew him from Vancouver. Um, we'd see each other in the, like we we didn't run in the same circles, but I'd I'd see him at the eight rings where we'd skate in the summer. Um, and yeah, we we always got along. He was actually him and actually Jared Burnett. Uh, my buddy Chris Franco, he was a good friend of mine. I grew up, he was an M&A fighter, and uh, he had a gym. So uh, I'd been training for a couple of years there, and then they started coming in. And, uh, yeah, he worked wonders with both those guys. I mean, uh, Brown was kind of, he was like me in junior. He was a slight guy, a little bit thinner, obviously a lot taller, and and, uh, and, a, and a great fighter. But he started putting on a lot of weight, and uh, I think both those guys going to Chris, uh, yeah, they – they improved a ton. Uh, they both started hitting a lot harder and getting stronger. Um, but yeah, I, I thought Brown was a. I, I liked him as a teammate. I, he never seemed to really get rattled. Like uh, I'd seen him fall behind in some fights early, and then he just stayed pretty calm. And good second half fighter. He'd come on and uh, come on and win. And I mean, I I know he fought Larock a couple of times, but his last fight against him, uh, you know, he hung in there well. And if you're going to yep. say Larock's, you know, top three in the NHL, well, Brown did fine in that fight. So um, yeah, he was good. He, you know, he. He liked to have a good time. I remember he, he he didn't seem to stress out too much. I played with a lot of guys that you know, Mina. They just they really let, let the fighting get to them, and it seemed like they were really stressed leading up to big fights and this and that. And I remember being with Brown. He'd be like, oh, "Okay, I got to go home. Uh, I got a date with the devil tomorrow." And then we'd uh, he'd roll into Hershey and he'd fight Parker. You know what I mean? But he, yeah, he never he never seemed to to let it bug him. He just went out and did it, and uh, yeah, he got some NHL games in and and did well. Well, one guy, like, and then, you know, of course, we're talking about Trevor Doyle. I mean, he had a big year in Syracuse that year and had a lot of fights. Um, what was he like? Yeah, Doyle was a good guy. He was, uh, I mean, if you're out, yeah, he was a guy. <laughs> yeah, we fought, actually, my, we fought in camp, but we actually fought a couple of years before in uh, 
in exhibition and uh he, i think he might have been with carolina then or the, the team was carolina so we'd fought three times in one game so I, yeah i knew how tough he was and we had some really good fights and uh but he was just that typical if you're going to say what a it was pretty intelligent guy but if you were to look at him you know he's missing those two front teeth and then just jacked you know he's probably as big as you'd ever see a, a hockey player but uh yeah he was another guy good teammate tough uh and fought everyone you know. Well, um, well, completely off off script here, and you were kind of mentioning um, with those guys going to the gym, um, and I forgot he's a as a BC boy. Uh, do you know Garrett Burnett? You know what? I knew Garrett. Yeah, not again. We never hung out, but I'd see him in the summer um, when we all, most guys when all the prospects and NHL guys would skate at a place called Eight Rings. We'd all skate together in the summer. Um, yeah, and he was a guy too that uh, just obviously kept getting better at it had some balance issues i think at the start but uh you know i mean he he definitely fought some tough guys by the end and and just kept getting better and better at it but yeah um i haven't seen him in fuck i'd probably been 10 or 15 years but i used to see him once in a while around vancouver uh, have you heard like I, he was in that bar fight in bc and he was really fucked up like he got hit with a was a steel pipe or something and he was in the hospital and shit he was in a bad way have you heard anything about him recently yeah no, I haven't. I haven't, and I haven't seen him forever. Like, um, I have a kind of set group of guys I hang out with. I grew up since we were little kids with, and uh, I really see the hockey guys. I'd have to go to, a, you know, a hockey rink, or would have only pa- crossed paths with those guys if if I was at an ice rink. So uh, I haven't seen him forever. Yeah, hopefully, uh, hopefully, think everything's okay. Yeah, like I haven't heard anything about that. Like I heard he was, you know, it was it was pretty rough, and uh, and I don't think he's a, like he's not on social media or anything, and I haven't heard anybody. Because I don't even know how many years ago was that. That had to be about ten years ago that that happened. I think. And, uh, yeah, that's that. Yeah. yeah, and that was that was brutal. Yeah, no, I was just wondering if you'd heard anything. But uh, yes, anybody out there listening, if you know about Jared Burnett's status, please let me know. I'd like to know that. Um, but yeah, okay, we'll get back to the tilt here. While you roll into Philly, of course, Philly once again is still circus show, but this time they've added another animal to the zoo and Francis Lassard, old uh, Franny. And of course you fought, um, you know, Lassard, I've heard different stories about him and he's got kind of the rep of, as being a, whatever you want to call it, a little unethical in terms of the fighting. Um, how'd your fight go with him? Uh, I think if I remember that right, I just, I took a run at him behind the net. I, he was just, had the puck and I took a run at him and we took a session to it and we just fought. Uh, for some reason I don't, I think he maybe was he left-handed. I, I yes. could be totally wrong. He was okay, but um, I, I never minded fighting left-handers. Um, I always did well against them because to me that meant they weren't unless they were cross grabbing. They weren't tying up my good hands. So I mean, I, I you were going to get hit no matter what fighting the lefty. But I always knew my right would be free, which I was always comfortable if, if my right was free. I was going to have a good fight. Um, so yeah, yeah, that was a case of yeah, I took a run at him and. Uh, yeah, he took exception to it, and we fought behind the net. It was, yeah, it was fine. Well, yeah, well, you bring up the the left hand. This is a good enough time as any. We were kind of talking about this off air, but in terms of, I always like to talk, when I have you guys on, I always kind of like to talk about fighting styles and stuff. Um, well, back in your day, of course, in the Western Hockey League, it was always sort of the big thing, the code of the West, so to speak, that you take your helmets off and do the, you know, you got to fix the hair, do the big square off the whole the whole nine yards. Um First of all, were you did you like kind of doing the big square off, or would you kind of rather just get right into it? Uh, you know what? It I didn't matter to me. Um, I had a lot of fights that just started. Like I said, I was always playing lots, so a lot of my fights 
started in the heat of the moment too, like running a guy or, um, you know, just in play. But also, obviously, obviously there was the, the premeditated stuff where you're going out to see who was tougher or going out and fight someone because they did something to your teammates. So obviously then you'd be standing back and, and taking the, the helmet off. Um, it, it didn't bug me either way. I was fine with it. Um, but kind of obviously, like I mentioned, I, I I wanted to be throwing punches. You know I mean? My, that was my main concern was that I wanted to, to go toe-to-toe. Um, there were so many guys that were bigger and had longer frame, you know, bigger frames than me, longer arms. And, uh, you know, I, I didn't see any advantage in, in tying up and trying to, trying to fight uh, like I, I know it was the most dangerous way to go toe-to-toe but I, I was always especially as I got older you know I, I knew I was quicker and punching you know punching just as hard that I thought my best chance of winning was uh was going toe-to-toe and, and usually I I could catch a guy uh if he opened up um I it's not that I didn't I didn't mind you know the technical stuff I could do it but I, I definitely didn't like it and I didn't think it helped me to fight like that you know I mean there's some fights where guys were just holding both your arms and it's impossible to get free because they're just so fucking strong but you know i I didn't even see the sense in doing that if you're not going to throw punches then uh you know then why are you fighting but um yeah so i don't know that my my style it didn't really change at all from when i was young to uh as i got older i just uh i just kind of uh wanted to hold i didn't even really hold the arm if you watch most of my fights i kind of just hold the front of the jersey um and throw and and obviously i would use my arm a bit to deflect shots but i i uh yeah i just got comfortable in that pocket and uh that's how i uh that's how i wanted to fight i kind of got comfortable i knew i could take a shot pretty well too i had been hit by you know the hardest punchers and came out of it fine so that gives you a bit of confidence also so yeah that was uh it didn't matter squaring off not squaring off uh, my, my main thing was i was always hoping the fight would open up and, and we could go toe-to-toe that was more important to me yeah, like when you were kind of like, well, to go back to like the squaring off thing or whatever, did did you prefer the, to have them sort of come at you or did you kind of want to initiate it? Like, did you want to, because there's like, when you're squaring off, there's that line, right? That's sort of the imaginary line in the sand and it's like, who's going to commit first? Did you, did would you rather them coming in on you or did you, because it's interesting the response when I get this, I've had it from a number number of different ways of looking at it from different guys, but what was your kind of take to it? Uh, you know what? I just what I I didn't like was when it was too long. You're just sitting there waiting. So I, yeah. if it, if it was got too long, where it's 15 seconds or something, well, then I'm just gonna go in. Um, you know what? There, I mean, I I remember seeing a couple fights. There's a couple fights out there which I actually jab going in the way, and I was able to drop guys going in with a yeah. with a jab. Um, but to me, usually I was gonna be. I mean, it was such a huge era. You every guy you were fighting was huge. That. That jab a lot of times got me in on squaring off. I would just kind of jab myself right into position to be able to grab. Um, but it, yeah, it, it, I don't know if I liked waiting for, I really didn't have a style. It just kind of felt some guys would come in fast. Some guys would come in, would take their time. Um, if it, if it got too long, I would go in. You know what I mean? It wasn't yeah. one thing I wanted to do more than others. It's interesting. I was listening to a video of Marty McSorley and he was talking about just the enforcer role and fighting and styles and in general. And you're like, you were saying when guys grab with you both arms, now you're just sort of, there's nothing happening, right? You're wrestling or whatever. Did you ever find that there were some guys like, like McSorley kind of says it in this way. Like, do you think some guys were just pretending 
Like they were, like they knew they had to go out and do it, but they were just grabbing on and seat belting and like they didn't really mean it. Like they were just kind of going through the motions. Did you ever find that? It would like with, I'm not talking about like the non-fighting guys that just happened to end up fighting you, but like, was there ever, if you don't, you don't have to throw out names if you don't want to, but was there ever sort of like a name guy that, you know, that everybody was talking about? Then when you end up fighting him, it's like, this guy is just kind of going through the motions and hanging on and it's all for show kind of. Oh yeah. There was lots of guys like that. And, uh, yeah, it, it was it was frustrating because you're no matter how good a fighter you are, if someone grabs your arms and doesn't really want to let go, or even if they're half still holding on to your sleeve a bit, and and no matter how hard a puncher you are, you're you're not going to get any juice on your shot. So it, it is frustrating, and you're not going to really win a fight unless someone's willing to let go of either of your arms. You know what I mean? Like a lot of times, I would go to my left because I could let go of his just, just to have a little bit of throwing. But yeah, no, it's, it's definitely, there's, there's guys out there and, and some guys you can't blame, you know what I mean? they they just weren't natural good fighters and, but they were expected to get their fights in and get minutes in and fuck you. Know what I mean, some of these guys can really hurt you. So you can't blame someone for wanting to hold on, but definitely there was, you know, there was guys out there that made a living, uh, you know, weren't great fighters and tied up, tied you up and nobody really threw anything and got hers, but they got an easy five minutes for it for sure. Yeah. Well, there you go. And, uh, well, one name before, before we leave Syracuse here that of course, another NHL went on, had a lengthy career and you fought was Reed Lowe. How'd that fight go? Yeah. Lowe, he was, he was in Worcester, right? I'm pretty yep. sure. Uh, we, we fought, uh, I was really surprised by him to be honest. I didn't realize how fat, like, uh, like I said, I've always, if you know, thought it was faster than most people maybe with the exception with rocky that time but he he was mixing up his punches and they seemed to be coming really fast um we ended on our feet but yeah i, I felt you know i felt that was another one of those where i was like well you know what i mean like you know i wasn't expecting that from him. definitely uh obviously a really good fighter and went on and had a great nhl career but i i went into that fight thinking i was gonna beat him or take him apart and it never went that way you know he needed it just it ended our fight. It wasn't it wasn't anything good, but he definitely landed more more punches than I did. Well, like you said, you get sent. Unfortunately, you get sent. You have the thing with Smeal, and you go down to Augusta, and um, you know Kopech and Clint Cabana are down there, and you know they they seem to be doing a lot of the fighting. But uh, um, at this point, like you you kind of mentioned it, were you just sort of like pissed off at the world at this point and really just kind of float? No, nah, I don't want to say floating. That's not the right word, but. Like, did you have really any interest in obviously fighting it down there? No, and, and yeah, maybe I'm being hard on myself. I like, I, I was still down there giving her, and I always, no matter what, I always competed and played hard. I just, I don't. Maybe in my own brain, I just, yeah, like I was. Well, yeah, you, you had a, you had points every second game. Like you had what, like nine points in twenty games. So it wasn't like you were useless. I mean, yeah. Yeah, no, no, and, 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 yeah, like I said, maybe, maybe, I just, I just remember that was the one year, if I was to pick a year where maybe yeah. I could have done something different, that, that was the year, but yeah, maybe I'm being hard on myself, you know what I mean, like, um, but yeah, definitely when I went down there, um, I had a couple fights, uh, at that time, to be honest, that was when I was feeling, you know, really good, um, nobody, there wasn't a ton of guys coming to fight me in the coast, I think Richard Scott, he was, Wanted yeah. playing some games with the Rangers. He was doing really well down there. I, he was one guy that came after me. Um, we fought and um, I dropped him in a couple punches. And I think I, uh, I think you know, put him out for a while. Um, 
for a year, or sorry, for the, the rest of the year. Maybe there was only a month left. Um, I know he was doing really well and beating up a lot of guys down there. So um, I did, you know, I had that fight. And then the next year, I think he had a great year in the American League and then got up and played some games with the Rangers. So good for him. It just shows, you know what I mean? But I kind of went the other way. I went down there and I wasn't interested. If you were on to come fight me, yeah, by all means, let's fight. But I, I wasn't going to run around. I never did that in the coast. Um, there was somebody else that came. I can't remember. Some other tough guy in that. And it was a pretty lopsided uh, win for me also. Um, so I got a lot of room down there. And, and like you said, we had Kopech and Cabana and Greaseball, me and Grease Thompson. Uh, love yep. that guy. We were back, back together. <laughs> so he was doing it too. Um, but yeah, I just, uh, yeah, I, 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 maybe I wish I would have uh, maybe done something a little bit different. But that's, that's how that year worked out. But yeah, I definitely, uh, definitely the times I fought it, they were huge wins. But I, I didn't. Uh, definitely didn't fight as much as I probably should have. Well, and this, um, I guess we could say this, uh, that sort of concludes your North American portion of your career. Um, was that sort of like, uh, you know, when the season's over, like you said, it was a frustrating year. Um, you know, Vancouver, I guess, doesn't really have any plans for you. You and Smeal aren't really seeing eye to eye in Syracuse. So that's sort of a, you know, sort of a lost cause at that point. Did you look into trying to stick around North America or like when Belfast came calling, you went right away? Like how did that whole process go? Yeah, it, it was kind of, you know what? Um, I, uh, I had a buddy, Robbie Gordon, who I played with. We played together in Syracuse. He was a high enough choice. And uh, he was talking about going over to Manchester. And he said that he had asked me if I was interested. And he basically he passed my name on to the agent. I wasn't uh, sure what I was going to do, um, but I knew. Um, and and so I'll make that clear. Like it, that was nothing to do with me. I got frustrated that day, and like I said, maybe I didn't handle it well. But there was a ton of guys. I was out of the Canucks' plans. I'm, I'm guessing, but it, you know, it didn't uh, it didn't work out. But I, I actually the rest of the year got along with Smeal and everything else. So I, yeah, I don't want to look like Smeal had anything to to. Uh, no, no. Yeah, I know what you're saying. Yeah, like that. <laughs> But yeah, um, I knew after that year that I needed to do something different. You know what I mean? Like I, I kind of fallen out of love with the game. You know what I mean? I, I wanted to start playing again. Like it, coming up through junior, I was always on a top line. And like I said, I, I was doing the fighting and enjoyed it. But once you start going to, uh, you know, trying to get in and out of the lineup and just getting a fight here and there, and it just, you know, you, you start, it's not as enjoyable, right? So I, I knew, uh, I knew I needed to play lots and, and uh, start enjoying myself again. And that, uh, the agent called and they mentioned that they uh, they had a felt there was a team going into Belfast and uh, I talked to Dave Whistle and uh, you know he told me look you're gonna come over there you're gonna play a ton and uh, you'll still wind up fighting guys and uh, um, you know they're super tough guys you'll be fighting over there but you'll be doing it way less often and, and you'll be you know playing a regular line and you know and that's what I needed at that time you know I just I wanted to go start enjoying myself again I, yeah you know I probably left a little too early I just turned 24 but at my that point in my life, I, I needed a year of, uh, yeah, enjoying the game again. Well, so well, so here you are. You're rolling to Belfast. What are your first impressions of the UK and uh, and and, uh, and just in overall? How did you enjoy your time in Belfast? Yeah, uh, Belfast was awesome. I loved it. Um, what a great spot. Uh, great team. Great guys. Whistle was the coach. Uh, assistant coach was Robbie Stewart. He was another funny guy. But uh, a lot of Western League guys on that pa- team. Paxton Schulte, Jason Bowen, um, 
sure there's some more, but great group of guys. And it was, the, it was the first year there was hockey in Belfast. So, uh, fans over there didn't, you know, didn't know what to expect. They just built a brand new rink. We, we didn't even get going until, uh, December. So we were kind of playing our home games on the, on the road. But, uh, yeah, it, Belfast was a fantastic place and, uh, I had a, I had a blast and, uh, yeah, enjoyed my time there. Well, yeah, like you said, the, the top 10 penalty minute leaders there is like a who's who of the like North American enforcers. Um, uh, what was it like uh, when you fought a couple of them? Uh, what was it like fighting Dennis Vial? Yeah, uh, Vial was, uh, he was playing for Sheffield at that time, you know, in a year. I mean, I'd watched him fight for the last eight years in the NHL fighting yeah. Stu Griffins and Rob Rays and everything else. Um, so, yeah, you know, that was just the case. I was with a new team. Um one, I wanted to go test myself. You know, I mean, I, I wanted to fight. I always wanted to fight, you know, the best. I wanted to fight legit NHL guys, and um, I didn't get to do it as much in the NHL. So I, you know, Vial was there. It was perfect. Um, yeah, so I just went after him. Um, I think I whacked him or whatever, and we squared off and went at it. We were having a good fight. Um, I think it was in Milton Keynes, if I remember right, because we never had a home rink. Um, we were just starting on the road, and... Uh, yeah, we were just throwing him really good, and uh, I think at the end he comes out of his jersey. Um, so I'm. Oh, it's Viali. It's Dennis. He's got to come out of his jersey. I think he did yeah, that every yeah. fight. Yeah, exactly. And I kind of knew it was coming. Uh, we were throwing him really good. Uh, it was perfect. I mean, he never ties up, so it was a perfect guy for me to fight. And then I, yeah, I think I remember holding him kind of by the back of the neck, and he'd throw and I'd throw. And it was, yeah, it was a good fight. And uh, I, I think it was actually, I remember. Uh, I'll get to him later, but David Longstaff, he's a British ice hockey legend. Uh, he, uh, we wind up playing together later on in Newcastle, but he's on Sheffield at that time. Um, and, uh, he said that, you know, Vial came in the room and just losing his mind, uh, you know, cause we had a good long bout, really good one. And he just freaking like, can we, you know, can we get out, get this out on the table for the game? Like who, who the, you know, who the fuck was that guy? He looks like kind of what I've heard my whole life, you know what I mean? <laughs> he looks like, uh, whether it's a school teacher or whatever it was, and yeah, he was, uh, I guess, not happy that uh, nobody had told him that, uh, yeah, that I that I fight, I guess. But yeah, that was a good fight, and it was good to, uh, yeah, it was good to fight, you know, uh, NHL guy that uh, I'd seen fight so much and, and do fine against. Well, and there's another guy who carried the big rep over there for, like, causing mayhem and uh, was, was Nykar. Very night car, and of course you had a really long bout with him off the faceoff, um, where you basically like charge at him and kind of almost for, looks like force him to go. Was there some bad blood there? No, yeah, uh, I've seen that fight. You're right. I'm not sure why I why I jumped in like that. Um, yeah, he was a guy, another you know tough guy, ran around, finished all his checks. Um, that was kind of more technical fight i think if i remember that right there was a lot of you know we were throwing it was a long fight and we're throwing a lot of punches but it was was also kind of hold try to not one of those fights i loved um like i said i could do it but it wasn't uh quite toe-to-toe you know i mean he'd throw one i'd throw one you'd battle so hard just to get your hands free um yeah definitely another tough guy really tough guy fought everyone i remember him being super strong like it was uh it was hard to try to get your arms free um and uh but yeah, I think it was a pretty decent fight. But uh, again, he had a another guy had a great career over there. Well, uh, I know another guy that you fought over there, and I'm a big fan of this guy. And uh, 
and you fought him twice actually was Louis Bedard. Um, there's a video of one of them out there. It's pretty spirited. Um, but yeah, again, kind of a, you know, you guys similar size, height wise. And, you know, and the same thing. He loves to fight wide open and throw as many punches as possible. How'd those fights go? How was it fighting Louis? Yeah, you, you know what? Uh, I, I didn't really, I, I recognized that name when I went over there. But like I said, I didn't spend a, time, a ton of time in the coast and I'd never played against him in the coast. Um, he, I remember, uh, so he was in Newcastle. I want to say, yeah, he was in Newcastle. And then, um, I think early in the game, first shift or something, uh, Rob Wilson, he was on his team. Um, he, uh, I put the puck by him and he winds up throwing a hit. I'll get to him when we get to Newcastle. He's another great guy I wind up with Newcastle with, but he winds up catching my shoulder and he, he separates my shoulder. Um, it was, I think that's my first or second game with Belfast and, and the next shift I'm, I'm lining up and I can see him just glaring at me like he's ready to do a bold charge. And I was like, Oh fuck, you know, I can, my left shoulder's a bit fucked and I'm not making excuses cause he's a super tough guy, but he, uh, I, I was like, Oh, there's no way I'm getting out of this fight anyway. So he comes over and yeah, whack each other or whatever and square off. And, and we have a good fight. Um, I, if you watch that fight, I don't throw any lefts in that. I can't, I can't switch at all because my, yeah, basically my arm separated, um, in that fight. But, uh, I remember being, you know, it was a good fight, but I remember being a little disappointed, um, because I thought, you know, by that time when I'm fighting guys my own size, I, should, I usually can end the fight or, or do really well. Little did I know, you know, like I watched that guy fight by Vial and do great. And, uh, then he fights Dougie Dow later on in the year and, Dowell gets a start on him. Uh, you know, Dowell leaves like a couple months after and goes on and plays in the NHL and fights everyone. But he gets the start on Bedard, and then I think Bedard comes back and really gives it to him and drops him. So I, I didn't know that Bedard would be that tough. You know what I mean? So I remember being a little disappointed and that I, you know, maybe hadn't caught the guy or hurt the guy. But little did I know, I mean, you could hit that guy with a Louisville slugger. It wasn't going to affect that guy. Like he was, uh, he was a tough guy. And I, I had a lot of respect for that guy. We wound up fighting again later, but, uh, yeah, he he did a great job. He was uh, he could throw really fast and uh, he could take a punch. And uh, yeah, he he did a great job over there. If you watch some of his fights, uh, yeah, he was super tough. Oh yeah, you know. And then of course, yeah, old Louis. Of course, he and then he heads home back to Quebec and plays in the crazy LNAH and literally has three hundred fights in that league too. So yeah, he was yeah. Uh, like uh, yeah, Louis is a bad dude, man. Um, I, it's funny. I, I underestimate, like, not I underestimate him, but I remember going into that fight just thinking, you know, man. I, I like I said, I only had my right, so I couldn't switch. But I, I really thought, you know, I thought I would do uh, do a lot better, or, or just you know take him apart. But fuck, he was, he was tough. And once I saw him fight by the Al, and then kind of give it to Dowell at the end. You know, I mean, they had a good fight, but Louis yeah. definitely gets the better of the end. Then yeah, fuck, I had a whole new respect for that guy. So yeah, no, he. Yeah, he, he did great, and uh, yeah, like you said, I watched some of those fights in the fucking eight, in the yeah. end, eight play or whatever, and good for him. Uh, well, what a tough guy. Well, the one thing is to be said about the UK fans, and uh, and I always say it out here. I mean, they're definitely passionate and diehard and everything else. Um, you know, and you're you're over there. Um, you know, and the fans like they're really involved in the rivalries and stuff. It's almost like that soccer hooligan type mentality over there in the UK. Um, you have any interesting stories dealing with the fans over there in certain rinks or anything? Do we have another New Haven incident over there at all? <laughs> uh, no, no, nothing I can remember. But you're, yeah, you're you're bang on. Those those fans were great. They loved it, whether it was soccer or whether it was hockey. Man, they're really really passionate. Um, 
everywhere. I mean, uh, we'll get to Newcastle later, but yeah, they're what a passionate bunch. But I just, at Coventry, it all seemed like they were on top of you. Uh, that rink was built that the fans were always, you know, they, they were always in the middle of stuff. Uh, Nottingham, that was a great rink. They, you know, you'd be able to hear them. All those fans, it, yeah, it, it was great. You'd go on the road and uh, they'd get you into the game fast. You know, I mean, they'd be hollering at you and doing whatever else. Uh, yeah, yeah, great group of fans everywhere you went in the, all over that country. Like, were you surprised when you got over there? Like, one, were you surprised basically, like how good the hockey was and like how into the fan? Like, like were you just yeah, like, what was your takeaway from the UK game? First of all, well, I should ask, like, in terms of playing, like, you know, on the, on the level, was it better than you thought? Not as good as you thought it was going to be? How, what was your reaction to that? Uh, you know, that, that, that first year, um, when I went over there, that league was really, super, uh, really good. And they were pulling guys right out of the NHL or really good AHL players. And, and then they, Got the fighter guys, they were paying those guys really well, you know what I mean? So it, it, it was, uh, kind of like I said, you were, you were fighting the same guys you were in the American leagues or NHL training camps, but you were just doing it on a different continent. But I was really surprised by the, the play. Like there were some great players over there and it's a bigger ice surface, right? So you're getting <laughs> yeah. to see the kill more, right? Um, and yeah, and I think, I think people started noticing eventually, you know, how, how good a league it was over there. Cause it never it wasn't one of those leagues where you'd say, you know, this is the top league. You know, I mean, you'd always hear Switzerland or Germany or wherever. But once they put those, uh, whatever those cup games were, where the where the English teams uh, would play those teams, they always did fine against those top teams. So yeah, I, I was really impressed. Uh, it was yeah, a really good league, and it was uh, yeah, it was it was a good league to play in. Now, in terms of, I mean, I'm not asking you to do your tax returns or anything, but I mean, uh, in terms of your time over there and, and, and money-wise, pay-wise, how was the money? Was it not bad? Like, was it similar to American Hockey League money? Yeah, it was. You, you'd, uh, they'd give you a car and you'd have your apartment paid for and then they'd pay you. And, uh, yeah, I found, um, I mean, you'd also have more time to go spend that money over there, right? You're only playing a couple games a week. So that was a little less serious, but you, uh, you were able to save more definitely over there than you wouldn't than you were in the American League. I think just the rent paid in the car and and just a good wage. Like I know for a while there, so I'm sure Vial and some of those other guys they were getting huge money to go over there. And um, so uh, yeah, I, I think it came down a little bit as it went on. But those early years, yeah, it was a it was it was a good paycheck. Um, well, that season that you were over there, your first year. Um there was a huge brawl between Nottingham and like Sheffield where like Allison and BL are like literally trying to kill Nightcar. Did you hear about that? Have you seen that one? I saw it. I, uh, I never, uh, yeah, like obviously I wasn't in it, but I did start see videos of it and, uh, yeah, what it, uh, looked like a pretty crazy scene out there. They always had a great rivalry. Uh, Sheffield and Nottingham, I, they'd sell out each other's buildings every time they played each other and they always had, uh, they had people from Oton, you know I mean? If you had a, two tough guys, it was guaranteed it was getting mentioned all week uh, to the build-up. So they did a good job of promoting it, and it was a it was a great rivalry. No, absolutely. Um, well, so you finish up in, in, in Belfast that, that first year. Um, was it, uh, you know, of course, and then next year you end up in Manchester, like... Uh, was that on purpose or like, did you not want to go back to Belfast or, or like what happened with all that? Uh, you know what? I had a really good time in Belfast. Um, but 
the secret was kind of out. Um, when they started that Belfast team, there was um, there was about uh, there's a core of guys that came from Bracknell with Dave Whistle with the coach. He took a chunk of those guys, um, and then after that first year, the kind of the secret was out. That Belfast could get, you know, they could have they could get they had the money because they were a huge team, and and they now had the name where they could get whoever they wanted. Um, so they they. Um, they were just able to get a better player than me or a bigger name than me. If you want to say that, I don't know. I mean, I always, I had a pretty good career over there. I don't, I don't mean it that way, but they were able to afford to bring in, you know, guys with some NHL uh, resume or really good players in the AHL. And I think whistle was pretty, uh, it was pretty loyal to that bunch with that left Bracknell with him. So it was just a case of, uh, I still wasn't quite sure what I was doing. I think I kind of took too long to let them know my plans. And then, uh, they were probably happy to bring in some big names to to promote. Um, so yeah, I just I had a buddy here. I grew up with uh, Joe Cardarelli. He played. Uh, we played against each other. He was in Spokane, and then he was a Tampa Bay uh, Tampa Bay guy. And so he was in Adirondack. Um, and then we were we were just together in the summer, and uh, we started talking to our agent, and he's you know. We, we said, yeah, is there a chance we can go play together somewhere? <laughs> Which sounds pretty crazy, right? And he said, yeah, yeah, I think uh, Manchester wants you both. So. Uh, that's how we wound up in Manchester. Um, yeah, well, yeah, well, there you go. What, what do you? How did you enjoy Manchester? Yeah, yeah, I liked it. I, I got to meet. Uh, we had a pretty funny team. Um, I got to meet some great guys. I, I, I met, uh, you know, play with Ivan Matula. He was a British hockey legend, a Slovakian guy that played in Cardiff for years. Um, he was a huge, popular guy there. He was our captain and. Uh, what a great guy. So, yeah, I, I grew close to him. He, he wound up moving out to Vancouver, and we lived together in the summer and then uh, wound up staying. And, you know, whatever that is, 20, uh, 15, 20 years later, we're, uh, yeah, we're still great buds. And uh, I see him at uh, birthdays or whatever else. So, yeah, uh, uh, it was great. Manchester, yeah, allowed me to, to meet uh, Ivan. Um, Rob Wilson is another guy I became great friends with. We'll get to him when we get to Newcastle. Met him. Uh, Russ Romanuk was there. He used to play on the Jets. Um, Joe Basilo. We had we had a really funny team. Um, unfortunately, we never had a good uh, we never had a good regular season. Uh, just didn't wait, go the way it should have. But we uh, we got it together for the playoffs. We uh, we, we uh, for as bad as our regular season was, we made it all the way to the playoff finals and lost in the shootout. Um, so maybe uh, yeah, it was a little uh, salvaged our ourselves a bit. Um, but uh, yeah, I think we were leading two nothing going into the. Uh, the final period and they scored one right before the uh right before the third and they scored one late to tie it up and we wound up uh losing in the playoffs in the shootout final um but uh and for myself I, I you know i think i was playing on a third that line that year we were pretty uh pretty limited line we weren't all that skilled and i didn't have the best year uh, offensively um i think i was a lot better the year before in belfast but i i had a really good playoffs and I had a really good semi and finals and that was a little bit uh it made me feel better about the years, but yeah, we probably should have been a lot better team. But uh, yeah, I had a, had a had a really good time there, and like I said, I met some lifelong friends. Yeah, well, it's funny when you look at like the top ten penalty minutes that season. It's like all ex WHL and NHL guys like Wood and Cruz and Le Boutillier and Schulte, and, and uh, in fact, the four fights for, that you had that year were all against ex WHL guys. Uh, you end up fighting Dodie Wood again. How'd that go? Yeah. Yeah. We, uh, yeah, like I said earlier, we fought in, uh, AHL. 
that one he was up in the air um i remember throwing some off the start and then it kind of we got in close and uh he threw some and i threw some kind of technical more wrestling it wasn't wasn't anything uh great and um yeah i think uh if i remember right the, the fight in albany was a better fight than that one no one really no one really got free to to let loose well, another one of your fights again, of course, against Belfast and your old teammate Schulte there. It's a, the clip of it, it looks like you're coming in for your teammate and you you both kind of look at each other and nod and kind of reluctantly maybe start fighting. Uh, was that more obligation of the role or were you looking to make a statement against Belfast? You know what? That one, yeah, you're right. I, I just come in. Um, I wasn't expecting to fight and then he did ask me to fight there. So we fought, but it was kind of a, a half-ass fight and I wasn't quite ready um i think he uh yeah but he he definitely asked me you know what we went back to manchester and next time we played um i was kind of pissed off about that um he might have cut me a tiny bit in that in that fight um but to be honest i you know i i like chelty was you know and tough as nails and a great teammate and a great guy uh, but it caught me off guard when he'd uh when he said to fight there so the next time we were in uh manchester i remember cross-checking him asked him to go um he didn't seem interested that game and obviously not because he's scared i mean like i saw paxton fight everyone and he's a great and he's tough as they come um but he wasn't interested that game and i i was kind of wired up to you know to do it properly and i started running around i think i remember i took a run at barons and then uh hit him pretty high and then rough jason ruff comes in to stand up for him um yeah and then we we wind up uh fighting that game um, and then also, I think, um, I was, that was one of the rare games. Like I never really ran around too much in England, but I was kind of pissed off a little bit because of the Schulte fight in, in Belfast. Um, so I ran around there and yeah, um, kind of switched and caught, uh, rough with the left. And then the same, I was just continuation, kept running around, kind of being an idiot. And then Sandwich, I think Terrence Sandwich was there and he came in, um, and we fought and, you know, I felt really good in that fight. I felt definitely a lot busier of the fighter, but, uh, that was probably, you know, one of the rare games in, in Manchester where kind of the blood was boiling and, uh, and I was running around. Well, it, well, there you go. Yeah. It, um, did, did you find when you were over there, like with a lot of the guys, um, maybe somewhat, ah, maybe not so much at this point, but I've, I've, it's always been brought up, um, you know, late, maybe later on, but after you were done, but just, this is just a general statement, just whatever. But, you know, you get guys like, I know later on, uh, like a Brian McGratton or whatever goes over there late in his career and plays. And for some guys, and I, I'm not going to say who it was, but I've talked to a few guys that played over there and they basically viewed it as a, you know, free vacation to Europe, right? You know, play one last season, you know, take the wife or the girlfriend over before, you know, before we got the kids, let's enjoy the free trip to the UK. I'll play a little hockey and then, you know, we'll head back to North America and get on with our lives. Um, did you find with a lot of the North American guys it was like that at that time? Or was it still pretty balls out and serious? I mean, I can only speak for myself. I'm not sure what was going on in other guys' brains. But, I mean, I was still giving her and playing hard. But I, I wouldn't have been running around like the AHL um, and trying to fight for the sake of fighting to see who's tougher. I mean, usually your fights over there, they were a reaction or um, this is for myself or somebody did something to the teammates. I, I shouldn't say that because there was some, there was definitely premeditated stuff, but I, you know, I, I could see a guy that was in the AHL um, maybe running around, you know, 
like crazy and then you'd see him in you in england and he, he definitely toned it down but um you know it i think it just happens one probably with age and two you're going over there a lot of these guys now are we're getting to play right you're playing on a regular shift maybe a guy that's for the last four years has got a couple shifts a game well now he's playing all the time and he's not so interested in going out there and running around like an idiot because it you're out of breath. You know, I mean, all of a sudden you're re- you're required to play a regular, regular shift. So um, there was definitely guys that came over there and and mailed it in and got out of there. But I, I think most of the guys that went over there and stayed, um, they were competing, right? You know, they they stayed. They liked to be in there, and and you're going to play hard for your team. So for sure, there were some guys probably did a one year in and out, and, and uh, yeah, like I was just wondering if like any like the North American guys maybe in warm up kind of like. You know, maybe skated by you, uh, kind of. Hey, maybe not tonight. Let's just kind of play tonight, and you know, whatever. And you know, I was just wondering if a lot of that happened. You know, the North American guys kind of stuck together, or whatever. I I think it was just a general. You know what I mean? Like you're nobody's getting called up to the NHL. Nobody's making a million bucks. You're you're over there. Yeah. You're paying your bill. Um, so I think it was just more respect level, like you still got the best fighters in the world over there. So someone still can get really hurt. And I think you just, you're doing it less often. And, and definitely there's a respect amongst the fighters over there. You know what I mean? You're, you're not going out and fighting every night. You know what I mean? It's just it, one, you got to play and you, you, your team needs you. And also it's just, it's toned down a bit. I think everyone realizes, you know, you're over there. Everyone's in the same frame of mind. You're, if something happens, you're going to fight. Or, you know, if you're, you just stand up for a teammate or something like that. But for the most part, you're you're not going just to uh, just uh, you're not getting called up. So you're not you're not going out there yeah. and doing it. hopes a scout seeing it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Did um like I know like obviously it's not like the American hockey you're on the bus riding all the time playing eighty games blah blah blah. You know you you know it's a short kind of a thirty six game forty game season. Um, how did you like the scheduling of the games and stuff over there? Yeah, I enjoyed it. I mean, it gave you more free free time. Um, it made you, you definitely, uh, I mean, I can only speak for myself, but I, I loved playing over there. You only had two games a week, so you were excited to play hockey. Um, like I said, you know, I was always playing on a good line and you'd play special teams, you know, play power plays. So it was fun again. You know I mean? Hockey was, uh, it was enjoyable. Um, I think sometimes in that AHL or in North America, you're playing three and three and by Sunday you're like, fuck, you know, this is, this is a bit much. You know I mean? You're playing all those third games are afternoon games. So you're having your third game in 38 hours or whatever it is. You know what I mean? Um, so I, I think the Saturday, Sunday games worked as a player. You know what I mean? You did that. You, you could uh, train during the week, work out, do whatever you want to do. And then you gear up and play the games on the, on the weekend. Uh, I think it was a perfect setup and it, it actually made you appreciate the games a bit more. You know what I mean? Not having, instead of an 80 game season, you're playing 50 or whatever it is. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, the, the, okay, so so you wrap up in Manchester. Of course, then the following year, you start in Hull and end up in Newcastle. Um, again, how did you end up in Hull to start the year? <laughs> yeah, yeah, nothing more than a pretty a pretty good offer. Um, I wasn't going to go back to Manchester. Um, I, I think they only made it two, two weeks into that season or three weeks maybe, and they folded. Um Hull had called, and you know they they had signed a couple of really good players. Dan Curry, um, I know he was a old. I'm not sure. I think he played some NHL games, but he was definitely it was a World Juniors player, really good player, really skilled guy, and a big American League scorer. And they had another guy, Mark West, and uh, pretty basically just called and said we're 
you're going to play with these guys and uh, you're going to uh, you're going to get paid this much and are you interested? And I was like, yeah, you know what? That that sounds good. Sure, I'll go play on the top line and you guys are going to give me a good wage and a, my own place. And then that's how I wound up there. Uh, we, uh, I, I was enjoying my time there. Um, you know what? It was it was fun. I was playing tons and I was scoring a ton of goals. Um, I mean, there was obviously a ton of ton of more skilled goal scorers than me in that league but at the time um i was leading the league in goals and, and they they called us in so they we had however many imports and a couple with jonathan weaver he was a defenseman they're really good defenseman british defenseman they called us in and uh, we heard that maybe the team's folding or maybe they were going to gas like five or six guys so i remember me and weaver went up there we thought we were just going up for support or <laughs> support the team and they wind up uh telling nine of us that hey you guys uh yeah we're we're getting rid of you guys and we're like what fuck you know and then uh, i thought it was pretty safe i was having a career year but uh anyway so uh they got nine of us i'm not sure the team even makes it through the year um they might fold after that I, i'm not too sure um so then yeah then i have a couple different teams i think cardiff's phoning and uh tony hans from dundee's calling and then uh rob wilson uh winds up becoming one of my best friends he calls me we've played together in manchester and he tells me uh yeah you got to get up here come up here uh there's a spot for you uh he tells me he's gonna have a bigger role they're gonna make him play or coach and uh yeah come up there he he literally tells me you're you're crazy if you don't come up here yeah we're gonna have a funny bunch of guys we're gonna have a blast up here and yeah get your ass up here basically and uh that was all uh all i needed to hear um so I like so there. you're so you go into the office in Hall. They're like, uh, yeah, you're done. Like they didn't trade you. They didn't do anything. You're just you're done. So you're sitting in what <laughs> your apartment in Hall. Like okay, now what am I gonna do? Like I better hit the phone here and make some calls. Yeah, it was exactly that. They they took nine of us up there. No, up to the conference room up top, and they yeah uh, they said yeah we're uh, we're letting you guys go, and we kind of just laughed, looked around, and they're we're like what like. Okay, yeah, I guess we're out of here, and that's exactly. I went back to my. Uh, oh, and that—that that was the other. Yeah, actually, they told us though too. And you got to play this weekend, or we're not paying you guys. So now <laughs> we're like, what? We're going. You guys, you guys are cutting us, but you want us to finish, play two games while, uh, or we're not getting our last check. And we, yeah, we started. Uh, yeah, we just kind of started laughing, looked at each other, and whatever. And that's exactly what it was. Uh, obviously, other teams hear what's going on, and they. Uh, they started phoning, and you know, uh, just different teams phoning to come play there. And uh, basically, uh, Rob Wilson telling me to come up there, uh, and that it was a no-brainer. That was uh, that's what I decided. Um, yeah, and then I got to Newcastle, and Newcastle was the exact same feeling I got when I got to Seattle. Um, one day in that room, I, I was just I thought it was great. Uh, those are I'm not sure. Uh, I'm pretty sure you haven't been to Newcastle, but anyone that's no. been to Newcastle or played in Newcastle, uh, what a funny bunch of people! It's it's one of the greatest humors you'll ever you'll ever hear. If you you have a dressing room like uh, a lot of those teams didn't have good British players, but Newcastle was one team that had a ton of uh, of good British hockey players. Um, so they you know that room just to listen to hear these guys talk and give it to each other, um, it was. Uh, yeah, it was a treat. Every day was fun going to that rink. Um, they had uh, David Longstaff there. He was a uh, you know a British ice hockey legend. He would have probably uh, you know he was born in England. If he would have been born in 
Canada would have played in the NHL. Like he was, he was a top player, English or Canadian. I mean, he was really good. There was there was a lot of really good players up there and just funny guys. And uh, yeah, we had a blast. Um, wound up meeting uh, Patty O'Connor, became a really good friend, and then also, like I said, Rob Wilson was there. Um, he was our coach, so at that time he was player coach. Um, we always had a really small budget um, as a team compared to the Nottinghams and Sheffields. And uh, Rob, you know, he was such a he was such a great coach. He was a really good uh, X and O's guy, and he had us prepared that you know we had some really big good years there. And you know, we over we really overachieved because of him. Um, I'm not sure he got the, uh, the recognition he deserved while he was there, but uh, after that he went on to. Uh, Italy and won everything and uh same went on to Germany and you know took uh, some bottom clubs right to the top and uh I think he's in Peterborough now but uh it's just a matter of time till that guy I know there's uh just from talking to former players that have played with him and uh um they love him and it sounds like he's uh sounds like he's the best coach outside the NHL right now so I think it's it's just a matter of time I know NHL teams have been sniffing around asking about him and I think uh I think he just wants to uh complete a couple of years uh, in Peterborough, win something there. It's, uh, it's a shame because they had a really good team and a chance at the Moral Cup uh, right before COVID hit. But um, I think he'll, uh, he'll probably do a couple more years in Peterborough Pete's and then uh, move on to the NHL. And, yeah, some team will be uh, super lucky to have him because he was, he was a great coach, man. We just listened to him. I enjoyed playing for him. Um, he had a, a system out there, and, you know, we were able to compete with these huge market teams uh, on a shoestring uh, budget because of him. So, yeah. Uh, what a blast! What a great city, and uh, those fans were unbelievable too. Like I said, whether it was soccer or whether it was hockey, they uh, they 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 really cared about it. And uh, great city and great great people up there. Yeah, well, I mean, after you got traded there, you know, two oh three, and then after that, I mean, you know, you, the next four seasons, you know, you finished your, you know, you went all the way uh, with Newcastle the whole way. Um, obviously, some of the, you know, I'll just kind of just in terms of the entire time, we'll just kind of throw out some names at you. And, uh, I know I've kept you here pretty long today. We, I won't keep you too much longer, but, uh, you know, you, you, like you said, you've, you've thrown out a couple names, some very, some interesting teammates. Um, it, it was funny, like you mentioned kind of Seattle and you and Willis, when you, you know, you finished your career in the dub with kind of, you know, two undersized kind of enforcer guys in Seattle, but then you, you know, uh, you play, end up playing three seasons with Rob Trumbley who's sort of in that uh, Willis-type mode, you know, the undersized kind of enforcer. Um, uh, what was it like playing with Rob? Yeah, you're right. Him him, and uh, Willie, they actually, yeah, they remind me of uh, of each other. Same, yeah, similar players. Um, yeah, Rob Rob was good. He was a tough guy and same, like you said, agitator out there. He uh, he was, again, at the end of his career like all of us. So, you know, I mean, kind of that, that edge and agitating you lose that a bit like like we all did when we we're over there but yeah yeah he was a good teammate and uh, he was fun to play with well another one it's uh <laughs> an inter- kind of a uk legend and that when as chris would say one of the best names uh <laughs> was hilton ruggles yeah yeah i think i think i only played a year with hilton ruggles um you know what i think it was only one season but he, he must have probably been 40 by that time but yeah i think he did a yeah i think he he was probably right at the end of his career but yeah yeah you know a decent guy and uh i remember him being pretty skilled or pretty strong in that pocket if i remember that guy if i remember it right but uh yeah hilton ruggles i'm not sure whatever happened to him that's funny name from the past 
There you go. Um, well, one of one of the one of the old Syracuse boys shows up. Uh, Chris McAllister came over for a little bit of the season, but he didn't stay very long. Um, what happened there? Do you know? Yeah, he he came over for during the strike, uh, or did he come over twice? But definitely during the NHL strike. Um, yeah, we played together, and uh, I think that was the season. Uh, I'm not sure if he got in contact with me or I got in contact with him, and I just told Rob, you know. Um, He's looking for a place to play, and yeah, he came over and he competed hard, and and he had some fights over there, and it's, he definitely never came in and mailed it in. So, uh, yeah, he was a a good teammate, and uh, obviously, fighting school for himself. Yeah, he actually came, he came back there. Um, it was yeah in '08 after you, the year after you were done, he came back to Newcastle. Yeah, so we did beat. Um, well, an- another guy uh, that you played in with Newcastle, and of course he's a, a minor league legend, and uh, there was a whole kind of uh, run-in over there. Um, could you share the story with uh, Mel Engelstad's time in Newcastle? Yeah, I wasn't with Mel for too long. He came over, uh, I'm not sure what year it was, in Newcastle, and then uh, I think there was a, I want to say uh Sticking, a stick incident or something. I think he, he hit somebody with a stick. I, I can't remember the exact story. Uh, I'd be lying yeah, to try to... That's what happened, to, and, and he was getting charged. They, got, they wanted to charge him. Yeah, you got cross-checked yeah, the guy right, in the face. that's right. It was... Yeah, uh, that, that, that's what it was. Yeah, it was 05, um, 06 he was over there. Okay, yeah. But, yeah, so I we didn't play together very long, but I, I knew all about Mel. He was in uh, Belfast the year before. We never we never fought, but I'd, I'd seen him fight... Uh, a million times, obviously, I'd saw him fight Probert on tape, and yeah, of course, he was uh, probably you know as tough as they come outside the NHL. Yeah, you guys got along though when you was there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We just like I said, we were we weren't together very very long, but yeah, nice enough guy. Yeah, he, he was fine, and uh, I think he was at. I'm not sure did he go home and keep playing. He was probably again at at the end of his career there, and like like I said about all of us, you're you're playing in England that long and you're as you're getting older you're losing a bit of the edge but uh obviously definitely a super tough guy and uh yeah a good teammate well a guy that you fought uh numerous times kind of in several leagues uh payette andre payette uh you know he was also a teammate for a couple seasons uh did you guys get along i did yeah you know what uh we fought probably at least four times. I remember we fought when he was in Philly, and then one year he was in Rochester in exhibition. We fought. Um, he went on to Coventry, and yeah, I think we, we fight in a line brawl. That's right, we fight in. Yeah, a line you brawl fight in a brawl between the benches, and you kind of pull him out of the pile, and it's a pretty good fight. Okay, that's right. So yeah, we fight then, and I remember um, at that point, uh, I don't know if he. I remember having a rhythm, and I kind of lose it. I'm not sure if his jersey something happens, but. Uh, I just remember, you know, going to the penalty box, you know, thinking that we got to fight again because um, nothing against Payette. He was a super tough guy, and I saw him beat up, you know, everyone in that league. He had some great fights, but I just felt at that point in my life uh, there's no way I shouldn't be uh, beating Payette. And I hope that doesn't sound bad. That's just that's just how I felt. But so I told him in the box, you know, I mean, uh, you know, we're, as soon as we go, we're fighting again. And then, then we fight on that one and square off, and uh, we open up. I think that fight's on YouTube too, and we start throwing them, and you know the way I was, you know the way I was like I wanted to fight, and and I catch him, um, catch him with a, a couple ups and overs, and then he goes down, and I don't, I kind of just 
pin him when he goes to the ice. I don't. I didn't want to hit him because I, I liked Payet. I had a lot of respect, but I definitely uh, wanted to make sure we fought and uh, opened up and you know had a better result there. Um, he was a good teammate. He he went out there and and fought everyone. Uh, you know, Newcastle fans loved him. <laughs> he was great at uh, getting the other uh, the other rink. Uh, Opposing teams, fans riled up. What you know, whatever he would do, and, and he fought everyone. He, uh, you know, he didn't try to hide it. You know, he was he was out there every game, uh, ready to fight and ready to stand up for his teammates, and had some great fights. Um, you know, so he he did good. I I, uh, I think I, when I think of Payette, uh there was we were playing in the semifinals one year in the playoffs. I think and Flurry was over there, and Flurry was on Belfast. Um, it's a story I relate with Andrew Payet, but uh, I think Payet shoots a puck at him, and uh, Fleury at that point in his life is probably pretty easy to rile up, or he cross-checks him across the red line or whatever it is. So now things get serious. This is in warm-up before the semis. Everyone huddles around, and guys are pushing, and uh, Fleury says, hey, Andre, uh, I've uh, kicked the guys a lot bigger than you. And then uh, only Paisy could say it, and he says, hey, uh, Flurry, I've uh, shit-kicked guys a lot smaller than you. Flurry's five seven or whatever else, and it, it just went from a heated moment that both teams, guys on both teams, just laughing, everyone howling. But I got to be the only guy uh, bragging about beating up someone smaller than Flurry. But uh, yeah, no, he was he was a great teammate. Um, I think he was going through some pro- problems or whatever else there near the end. But uh, you know, when he was on and he was healthy, he was. Uh, it was fun to have a beer with, and hopefully he gets uh, everything sorted out in his life. Absolutely. Um, well, one guy, of course, he's been in the news because he wrote. He just had a book out, come out, and overcome some off ice issues, and and looks like he's doing well. Um, and it was your last year at Newcastle. I know he was only there briefly. Did you uh, have any interactions with Brant Myers? You know what? I didn't. Myers was a guy I always heard of. He was in the WHL before me, and then obviously I, I played a bit against him. He got sent down to Philly one year. And I remember us yapping at each other. Um, just a quick one by the bench. Nothing ever happened. Um, when I got to uh, Syracuse, sorry, when I got to Newcastle that year, he was literally leaving, and I was he was leaving in a couple of days, and I was just getting there. Um, by this time, I'd got down to the docks of the Longshoremen, so I I needed to stay an extra uh, month there. Um, so I got I didn't get to Newcastle that year, you know, till October, and I think he was literally just leaving. Um, we had one night out together. Seemed like a really nice guy. Um, I listened to his podcast on uh, somebody sent that to me on. Uh, wasn't your podcast? It was oh Terry Ryan's. I Terry Ryan's. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Wow. What a what a story um, that was. Uh, that caught me off guard. But uh, anyways, good to sound sound like he uh, he got everything together. So yeah, fingers crossed. Hopefully another guy that works everything out with. It. But yeah, I didn't I didn't have much of a. I literally had four hours of partying with the guy and just shooting the shit, and that was it. Nothing more than that. Well, another former guest of the show, uh, Jeremy Cornish, who was starting to sort of make a name for himself over there, and he's kind of been between London and Newcastle. Uh, any uh, any memories of Jeremy and uh, as an opponent and as a teammate? Uh, not as an opponent. Um, I think he came over from London that year, midway through the year. Uh, great guy. What a great guy. What a great teammate. Um, I remember... I used to go to uh, you know, I used to go to a boxing club there. Uh, I kind of did that in every city I was. I would just go down to the local boxing club and always just try to stay sharp. I mean, when I, by the time I got to England, you know, I wasn't fighting all that much. Um, 
you know, whether it was five or seven fights a year or something. I, I wasn't fighting as, as much as some of those other guys, but to be honest, I was always, I was always in good fighting shape and I was always ready to go if anyone wanted, wanted to fight. Um, but I would go to a boxing club and I, I took corners there the first day. And I remember he was, uh, he started hitting the bag and he was left-handed and they were really straight shots, like really sharp left hands. And I, I remember I was like, wow, okay, this, you know, this guy can go, you know I mean? He wasn't, you know, he was probably about 215, 220, uh, and he was, you know, six three, six four, but he was whacking that bag pretty good. Um, and it was a straight left hand, uh, and, uh, yeah, and then he, you know, he put it, obviously put it to work. He, uh, he fought everyone. Um, I want to say during those years that we were together, I think it was two seasons. Uh, if, if he wasn't, uh, the toughest in the league, he was, you know, top two or three, uh, you know, you could say he was, uh, I would say he was the, to- the, the toughest, to be honest. Um, I'm sure there's some people that might say, oh yeah, you know what? Well, he lost some, he lost some fights, which he did, but you know what? Any fight that Cornish went and lost to, like he went back right away, like next game. Maybe even that game, uh, and uh, came out with the win. So I mean, but sometimes that's harder than anything. You know, I mean, you lose to someone, and you're you may be doubting yourself. Cornish always beelined for whoever beat him the next time, and uh, came out with the win. So yeah, he was uh, he was a great teammate, great guy. I had a lot of good times. I, you know what? I never saw him again after we left from there. I'd, I'd like to see that guy and had some beers because we uh, there's another guy with a funny sense of humor, and we'd uh, we'd have some good laughs. Um, it's too bad. You know what? That guy he should have. Uh, he should have either stayed in North America a little longer or he should have got out of there when he was, uh, you know, 24. I think he was over there. He was 24, 25. He was a couple of years younger than me because uh, he could have, uh, he should have, you know, I mean, he fought, what did he fight, Anglestad? He fought uh, he everyone, you know, yeah. He, yeah, you know what I mean? But, like, when the NHL guys came over, he was fighting everyone and doing great against. So it's unfortunate, you know, that guy should have, uh, should have had an NHL tryout or an AHL deal somewhere. You know, what I mean, if he would, it would have probably just timing didn't work out for the guy. But there's no way uh, that guy couldn't have done it in the AHL and follow all those NHL guys. Like he did it, he did it in Europe. But uh, yeah, to do it, uh, to do it on the other seas would have would have been nice for the guy. But yeah, uh, great guy, really good guy. And like I said, uh, a lot of respect for that guy. Yeah, I know he's a good dude. I know the limit. I, you know, he was great to have on the show and to talk to him, you know, beforehand and like off air and stuff. No, he's a lot of fun and, uh, yeah, good guy for sure. Um, like you said, the last couple of years there at Newcastle, I mean, you didn't, you weren't fighting a lot, but you had a couple of good ones. Um, you hammered Scott Allison pretty good and kind of busted him open. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm not sure what, yeah, what his deal was. He he was tough, like I saw him, you know, fight Vial or, or Nykar, and and he was a really good player. Like he, uh, I know he was a high fifth. I don't think he was a Seattle guy. Maybe he was a Portland guy. He was he was in the WHL, and uh, I remember yeah, him being a, a first round or, or yeah. something, right? Uh, yeah, by the way, but he, he was a yeah. great, good player over there too. Uh, really good player, you know, good skater, and uh, he always had some good uh, good games against us, offensively or fighting wise. But yeah, I'm not sure. He was just fuck. He just kind of wanted to fight a couple different times earlier or, or I'm not sure if he wanted to fight. And then finally, yeah, he asked to fight. So, um, I think I, I remember that row on the right. He ties up my right and I just switch and catch him with some less. If, if I remember correctly, I think that's how that, those fights went. Well, I got this question down here and I, I remember I've been, I was going through your video and I don't know if I, I, I must've missed this one, but, uh, there's footage of you fighting someone on Bracknell and you're giving it to him pretty good in a long fight. And there's a headbutt. And it looked like he maybe sticked you earlier and you were intent on getting revenge and chased him around the scrum for a while. <laughs> Who, what, what's yeah. going on here? Who is this and, and what happened? Yeah, that, that was 
Suchi or Susi, I don't know. Um, yeah, he fired a, I don't know, he fired a puck and it, it literally went off, you know, fired it off the head almost, I think, or just brushed my eye or whatever. And then I think it was on purpose, Tom, to be honest. He just gave me some stupid look. Um, it you know, wasn't a big deal. We went to fight and then he was kind of just a, a stronger guy. I mean, I'm, I know he fought. I saw him fight Jason Robinson and a couple other guys. He seemed like he, he knew what he was doing, but he was, I think he was more just a you know bigger, stronger guy in, in those fights. He wasn't really throwing a lot of punches. Kind of was just holding on where you know I couldn't really get free with him, and I don't know his head was there. So give him a give him a nut. <laughs> wasn't something I did often, but I, I was pretty mad. I, I still to this day think he fired that puck at my head. So that's my excuse. Oh, there you go. I remember. Yeah, it's like well, like it's even like when. Uh, Probert headbutted Bob McGill, and they asked him why. He said, "Well, my arms are tired." So there you go. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's what it was. I, I, honestly, I couldn't. You know, like I said, if, if someone's strong enough, some of these guys are so strong. If they want to tie up both your arms, you're, you're not getting free. You know what I mean? So it's just, it just you get frustrated sometimes, right? Uh, unless they're going to let go, let go of your arm. There's going to be no action. I think it was more something like that. Well, so your fight uh, just kind of winded down here. Last couple names, but uh, I mean, you kind of go out in a bang. I mean, they don't get much bigger than these two cats in terms of size. Um, you had a fight with Brad Voth in Cardiff, and then Brett Cloutier. Uh How did those go? Yeah, yeah, Voth, I think we fought a couple times. Uh, you know what? He was a guy that did great for himself over there. He he was uh, yep. fuck. He was dangerous over there. Like he, uh, a lot of those guys. Uh, get over there and they start playing and the, their skating gets way better and I think he was a guy like uh, you had to be alert um, I'm not sure he would fight everyone I'm not sure if he, he really loved doing it but he was so big and strong that he could lean on you I, I don't we didn't have the great fight I, you know I tried to throw a couple we were in pretty close and uh, I think one of them we were throwing more than the others and one of them he's kind of leaning on me I, I can't really get free um, but he uh yeah, like I said, he, he had a great career over there. He was a good player, and, and he was fucking dangerous because uh, he was so big and he could skate really well. Um, he, uh, But, yeah, he did well. And, uh, yeah, I, I think if I remember right, we were kind of tied up in those. I was trying to get free, and he just really big and long and kind of leaned on me a lot. And uh, I'm not sure I got to get him as good as I, I would like to. But another guy, yeah, he had a great great career over there. And uh, another guy that you fought, a big guy, Manchester, uh, Brett Cloutier. Your last fight of your career. Yeah, it was. Um, I think that one startup. I remember right. He he just took a run that uh, one of our defense uh, guy went down, and I went in. Uh, I, I definitely, I don't. Know, I did. I wasn't planning on fighting that game. Um, but anyways, just went in, standing up for a teammate. He was uh, obviously a massive guy. Um, he, I think he gets my right right off the bat. So there's a little bit of uh, me trying to get free and trying to go to my left a bit. He, uh, if I remember right, he. Uh, he was a bit busier in that fight. I mean, he wasn't, he wasn't hitting me or catching me at all, but it took a little time for me to get going and uh, tried to switch a couple of times, but he had a pretty good grip. Um, uh, yeah, but he, uh, I can't remember. I think maybe I switched and throw some lefts at the end and we go down that. It's something, something like that. Um, but yeah, another super tough guy, really big guy. I mean, I don't know what he was, 6'5", and oh, whatever yeah. else I saw him at. Yeah. yeah, he had some really good fights with uh, Cornish and with Payette and McAllister, so obviously a super tough guy that fought everyone at the highest levels. Well, uh, one thing before we, you know, we kind of wrap things up, but, you know, just kind of with the UK and everything, I mean, uh, 
you know, like you said earlier that, uh, you know, you got the chance to play and you were, you know, a lot of talented players over there and everything else. Um, a lot of the guys that I've had on the show, um, you know, they enjoy their time playing over there and all that, but their, their sort of their biggest issue has always been with the refereeing. And they always say that's gonna, that always holds the league back. What was your, uh, take on the, on the officiating and the, and the suspensions and all that stuff over there? Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I, I didn't, uh, I'm sure that, yeah, there, if I think back, I'd have to think pretty hard, but there, there was some case of a pretty, uh, some pretty biased roughing or, you know, just stuff that shouldn't happen. Somebody's, uh, somebody's roughing a game that's married to, someone on you know i mean there's just a little bit of unprofessional stuff with the rest but i you know i mean i don't think they were getting paid a lot they did the job they could do i, I didn't have a major problem with it um yeah it's i mean it, it was a that league was a fairly professional league and i'm sure there was some games uh we weren't happy with refereeing but i can remember being in the states or canada and not being happy with the refs. so yeah I don't know if it made any difference but um well your final year like you said you wrapped up you're at this point you're 30 years old um did, did uh, was, were you done? Was that it, or was it uh, just time to get on with things? You know what i uh, I had gotten down uh, at the docks. It's uh, working at the docks as a longshoreman. Um, I had my uh, number called down there, and it's uh, it's a really uh, it's a good gig down there, and a really strong union. And it's you know people try to get in there a whole life. So I uh, I got. Um, drawn down there and to be honest that last year um we had a deal with zoom airlines but i was flying back and forth um i started that year late so i, I was trying to, you need to keep your hours up to keep your seniority so that whole september i stayed and worked because it was busy and i didn't get to newcastle for that last year till uh till october which kind of wasn't fair to willie and everyone else and then um so we had about 23 flights with Zoom Airlines, and I, I know it sounds crazy, but I was actually flying some weeks back during the week and getting some shifts at the docks. And then Friday night, I'd jump on a jump on a flight and uh, fly, and then land uh, land in Amsterdam, and then ferry over to uh, take a quick flight over to uh, Newcastle and play play those two games, and then sometimes go home again. So um, it was just it was, I know that sounds messed up, but it, I was just trying to keep my hours up. It, it was it was tough to do, and. Uh, I just kind of told Willie, you know, I mean, I, I, I can't, I can't mess this up now. Um, I'm 30 years old. I've had a, you know, had a great time playing. I had, uh, you know, I, I just didn't want to mess that up. I had, uh, my wife, we, uh, we weren't quite married, but, uh, she'd been waiting forever, um, to, you know, to get on with our lives and, you know, um, so I was 30, you know, I think it was just time to go home, uh, do the docks, you know, get married, have a family, everything else. It was, it, uh, it was time. And, uh, yeah, it was great. It was a great run, but uh, I think that was uh, that was all I needed. I think I would have just been killing time to uh, to play any longer. Also, I think uh, you know I, you, you get a little older and softer and lose your edge each year. And thirty, I was still you know I was still out there competing and playing, but you know, uh, you know, I, I wanted to go out uh, while I was still uh, you know still having still playing well. I think it was the perfect time to leave. No, absolutely. Do you do you kind of do you look back sometimes and, and have some uh, kind of unfinished business or anything? I mean, you know, I mean, I, I guess it's no point in kind of looking back on things now that I say that kind of, you know. But is there anything that you kind of maybe wish you had done different? Um, uh, no. You know what? The only thing which I kind of mentioned, maybe my third year in the HL, um, maybe I, 
I don't know. Maybe I, you know, you're right there. You're one call up away from the NHL. Maybe I, I didn't handle that year right. Maybe I, you know, let my temper get the best of me and I, and I messed things up. Um, the 20, when I, you know, I, I went over there to Europe when I was 24. Maybe that was a bit early. You know what I mean? Uh, you go over there, like I said, you're, you're not getting called up to the NHL anymore. So you're, you're taking yourself right out of the, right out of the picture. Um, but you know what I mean? There's, there was guys that hung around, played another three or four years. Like, look what Sean Thornton did and Bolton and some of those guys. I mean, they downy, they slugged it out in the minors another three or four years, and they went on and had uh, great AHL careers. You know what I mean? And uh, but then there's all, or sorry, NHL careers. You know what I mean? Um, but then yep. there's also guys that played another seven, eight years in the AHL and East Coast and came out of the game with nothing, or you know what I mean, with uh, head problems or addictions or whatever. Or, you know what I mean? If you want to take the extremes, you know what I mean? How many guys? Uh, you know, a couple suicides or whatever. So it can always, you can always say it could have worked out better. Um, but fuck, I, you know, I played 10 years pro. It's, it was great. Um, I don't know. I don't think I have many complaints. Uh, like fuck every, you know, pretty great life, great wife, four healthy kids, you know, two jobs that I like, um, down at the docks now. So I go down there and work with all my buddies. And then, uh, you know, I got a construction company and we build homes doing that with, you know, with most uh, most of the trades are guys I grew up with, so um, no fuck, you know everything. You know there was worse guys uh, that made the NHL than me, but then there was a ton of better players that didn't make NHL that were were better than me. You know what I mean? So uh, you know you can't you can't really do that. What if I'm happy with life? Oh, absolutely. no, that's great to hear. And uh, wow, construction company in Vancouver. I mean, you guys got how busy? You're, well, I know how busy you are trying to set all this up and everything else. Uh, yeah, I mean, how, I, I would assume business is quite well. Yeah, yeah, no, it, it's good. Uh, I enjoy it, and uh, yeah, and the, and the docs is another one. You know, both of those jobs, I, you know, I go to work with the guys I grew up with uh, since I'm seven years old, and when we build houses, it's a lot of those guys are guys I've known my whole life too. So it's uh, it's easy. You know, I mean, I, it's if you like your job, you're usually better at it, and uh, um, yeah, I'm 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 super happy with both. So definitely yeah it's 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 been it's been good everything's worked out for me excellent well how's and overall after all the fights how are the hands how's the body all these years later yeah the the winter time i start feeling my hands it's funny uh we when we work on the ships uh there's a thing called it's delashing and you're breaking down the ships when the container can't containers come in uh they're they're just tied down with steel a certain way and uh when i break it when we break it down it's funny I, i start feeling all my injuries in my hands and shoulders or whatever injury you you've had you feel it when there, there's a couple tough shifts down there but for the most part yeah no i've uh i've managed to stay in pretty good shape and injury free and uh yeah healthy well excellent man well i'd like to really thank you for taking the time to uh to come on the show i know you're not a social media guy and i know you weren't real big on the public speaking and everything but uh no, it's been a real, it's been real fun for me to have you and to have you on. And, and even before that, I mean, our phone calls and getting to talk to you off the air was, was a lot of fun and, and, and getting to know you a little bit in the last little while. And, and, uh, it was cool, man. And it was, uh, and like I said, there's going to be a lot of people really excited for this interview because, uh, you, you still got a lot of fans out there. And, uh, and even all the guys that I've had on the show, I mean, when your name comes up, I mean, it's been, uh, I mean, nothing but praise and how, you know, and good dude and how tough you were and thunder in your hands. Mad dog, mad dog for own, right? 
<laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah. no, it's uh, it was it's great to have you on, man. I really appreciate you taking the time to do this. Well, yeah, th- thanks for having me on. And like I said, man, I uh, I really enjoyed uh, I've enjoyed listening to your show, and it, it was the it was the perfect uh, show for me to come come on. You, I mean, uh, it, you know, just uh, all the all the same guys from the mid nineties and uh, early two thousands, just listening to all their stories and you know why some guys made it and some guys didn't, and where things went wrong or where things went right. It, it's pretty cool. Uh, you know, I like to do a lot of running, and it, it's it's great, man. I just uh, pop on one of your podcasts now and go for a run, and time flies. Um, yeah, you you can probably thank my uh, my wife for that uh, getting me on here. Uh, I'm definitely, like I said, not a social media guy. This will probably be, I'll do this uh, podcast and then <laughs> I'll disappear for the next 10 years. You got, you have my number, but uh, she, uh, she thought it was a good idea to maybe get stuff documented uh, for when I get older and uh, you know, my memory is pretty good still right now, but uh, it, it's going to fade uh, soon. So to have it all uh, on a podcast, it, it's pretty cool. So uh, yeah, thanks. Uh, thanks for that. And uh, yeah, thanks for uh, putting together that podcast. It's a great, uh, great show you got. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate that. And, uh, yeah, like I said, well, I mean, I don't know. I'll, I'll, I'll see if I can talk you into, to, uh, to have you on again. Maybe I'll, I always say I, I really like to do kind of like a, a group type chat. Maybe I can get you and Greece and those guys on at the same time. That might be interesting. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I'm looking forward to seeing that. You should, uh, you should try to get Greece on. I, I don't think we got into too, too much detail about him, but he was another fantastic, uh, teammate or jeremy reach moeg and uh willis all those guys those guys were a blast um yeah i i, I we'll see where this goes <laughs> i'm pretty surprised myself I, d- I did this podcast but there's a there's a ton of great guys out there and uh yeah i'm sure you'll have uh, a lot of those guys on your show eventually and it'll be great to listen to well i might have to use your poll here to get willis on if you ever talk to willis tell him the answer is friggin' private messages i've asked him to come on this show a bunch of times he won't reply to me Maybe that's telling me something. <laughs> I'll uh, I'll have to let them know we're on a Seattle uh, Seattle chat together. Like I said, I'm I'm pretty sure they're gonna uh, be uh, blown away that I actually did an interview. But maybe a little uh, maybe a little encourage them to do it. Uh, exactly. Yeah, so those, that, that that guy's got some stories to tell. All those guys do. Oh <laughs> yeah, like him, oh, I'd love to have all those guys, Mohagen and, and Willie and and Greece and all those guys. I've actually talked to Chris a couple times. Uh, we've kind of briefly talked about him coming on, so I think that'll happen at some point. But uh, yeah, for all you guys listening out there, uh, yeah, for sure, I'd love to have any of you guys to come on. But uh, but anyway, Paul, I know I've taken up a lot of your time, and uh, you know we talked for a long time today. Again, really appreciate it. Um, I'll let you go, but uh, thanks again, man. Uh, thank you, Darren. Take it easy, man. You too. And you people that don't like fighting, how many of you did you walk out and get a coffee while that was on?